Hi guys, and uh, welcome to the Fights Up Boxing Podcast, um, which is going to be a special review guided tour of the year. And because I'm doing a guided tour, I have a guest with me, um, Iggy, of the Fight Site. Who you definitely know of his uh, Tengen Drone podcast, which I have mispronounced again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is basically and, uh, just a running gag at this point. So whatever. Yeah, and um, he's a. Uh, He's, uh, he's, you know, he follows the boxing, but he's been more on the MMA side this year. So, um, so I am giving him and you um, a guided tour to things that happened um, in boxing this year. Um, Iggy, did you watch much boxing this year at all? Oh, uh, well, oh, Jesus. Uh, let me think. I did, for a fact, know that I watched uh, Usyk versus uh, Joshua 2, because we actually recorded breakdown breakdowns on that one. And uh, alternate commentary as well, but... Uh, I don't think I've watched anything else. I may have caught a fight here and there, but then it just kind of... Did you watch Opataya versus Breedis? Because I know we talked about that on online. I'm going to get into it later, but we talked about that bit. Did we? <laughs> yeah, on, in Discord. In Discord, we talked about it. It's the one where, where Opataya uh, got his jaw broken on both sides. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and then still won. Uh, I may have. I may have, but... Uh, yeah. But, but, but I like, completely forgot what happened in that one. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we'll, we'll get into that uh, in the relevant place. So basically, the plan is... Uh, I'm going to take it, you know, r- roughly chronologically. Um, you know, I'm going to jump about a bit because if I mention a fighter in March and then he fights again in September, it's going to be a bit silly to, to be asking you to to uh, keep an index of what we talked about. So so I'll jump about a bit. But it's basically, I'm going to go, you know, January, February... Mm. Uh, this happened, this happened, uh, and uh, like I um, say, I'm going to link you to occasionally a couple of knockouts that happened, uh, see how that works, sure. which I think I think we may uh, need to do something dropping it in the uh, in the description of the podcast, but if not, you know, you lads can find them, the, the, the listeners can find them if you need to, because yeah. Um, yeah, there were some pretty good knockouts, some, it's, it's a fun year for boxing, I should open with that, it was a, it was a very busy year for boxing, like, I had no time for MMA. Uh, because I was just covering the boxing the whole time. Uh, so, uh, I wish I'd done that um, instead because I tried doing a guided tour uh, for the yeah. year in MMA with uh, Sriram, Ed and Fenyu. And uh, Fenyu was on board, but Ed and Sriram, because the, the, they care less about the actual like day-to-day goings-on of, of the sport, they were like, hey, come on, the year was bad. Yeah. And so they started you know, derailing the episode until we... <laughs> basically like guilt tripped us into having a discussion about a completely different topic as a result <laughs> <laughs> well I mean that always seems to happen right but um, yeah every everyone I know who follows anime like properly is like no it wasn't a great year it was, it was bad uh, <laughs> which is a bit depressing but uh, yeah. yeah anyway okay let's get started um, because well J- January nothing ever happens in January and uh, that that uh, more or less true uh, like this year because um, the only thing in my notes was uh, Makabu, um, Ilunga Makabu versus Makunu, which no one saw because it was promoted by Don Kin. And, <laughs> and um, that ended up being a robbery, but no one cried robbery because no one saw it. And uh, But Makabu technically won, even though he lost you know, in real life, but he won on the cards. Um, but he performed so badly that uh, any hope of him getting the Canelo fight um, just went out the window. So... <laughs> So, so January started slow. Um, so we're, we're going to move straight on to February. And um, the first fighter that I got really hyped about was um, 
was uh, Jesse Rodriguez and Bam Rodriguez. I don't know if you followed the story at all. Familiarity? Did, did you notice any of my ravings? Oh, <laughs> uh, if it was February, I was probably too preoccupied actually, you know, fleeing yeah. the country <laughs> because that's, yeah. that's that's the month when Russia invaded. Yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you had other things on your mind. Yeah, he. He started in February. Uh, he fought three times this year. He fought Carlos Cuadras on two weeks' notice. He jumped up, basically a division and a half on two weeks' notice to fight Carlos Cuadras um, at super flyweight. So you know, Shark Tank division. Um, and Cuadras has been in with, but that, with everyone in that division, he's been in with Trusica to Rumsai, and uh, and he's uh, he gave Chocolatito a really tough fight. Um, and he's uh, he lost to Estrada quite narrowly, and. Um, yeah, and Jesse Rodriguez jumped up two weights to fight him and just absolutely scored him. It's it's completely dominated. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, anyone who hasn't seen Bam Rodriguez and likes people like Vasily Lomachenko or um, uh, you know or old school Orlando Canizales, the kind of you know footworky type magicians, uh, you have to see these performances because uh, yeah, we've you know my my podcast straight after the thing was like we've got a new star. It's fantastic. It's, 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 it's great. So it was basically like a like a coming out coming out party. For yeah, basically. Yeah, so he's definitely the breakthrough fighter of the year. Because but before before these fights, everyone was like, yeah, he's you know I'd heard of him. I hadn't seen. I, I think I'd even seen him fight, but I didn't remember anything. And then he had this these fights, and it was a uh, yeah. He's now a champion. At, uh, well, he 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 was at Superfly. He's moved back down so that his brother can. Uh, and try to win belts at Superfly, oh. but yeah, he um, he dominated Kuadras, and then he absolutely schooled Sirisica to Rumbasa as well, um, like just completely humiliated him basically, um, <laughs> which just doesn't happen. Right? <laughs> so, so you know, you know, pe- people people can say like um, so Rumbasa he's old and uh, but, you know he's been out for ages and he's past his best, and that's you know true to some extent, but even still, just I mean, just a little yeah, deep. SSI is one of those guys that get old, but they don't get you know old old he's as far as athletes go I think Sol Rungusai has actually aged quite gracefully yeah and um, I think just the way that Rodriguez uh, beat him was using his own strengths against him which is you know the um, when he goes to bull rush and his, his timing is usually so good that even the best fighters are like oh shit you're coming at me now um, but Rodriguez just completely took that away from him just uh, with foot feints and shit and it, was, it was lovely you know I'm not going to break down in depth every performance here because uh, I did that already during the year <laughs> but uh, but yeah it was uh, if you haven't seen the, if you haven't seen any of his fights I would recommend well all three of his fights he fought Israel Gonzalez um, dropped down away and fought Israel Gonzalez um, that wasn't as pretty um, but it was also good to see because Gonzalez basically he's not as good as the other two guys but he prepared really well and like by that stage in, you know it's, the word's gone out and Rodriguez is really good at these little circling footwork things mm. um, so he had to do something else that he basically toughed it out and fought in the pocket and uh, and uh, got a little bit dirty when he needed to and uh, some people got disappointed as like, oh well we didn't see the magical stuff and so yeah but that's going to happen sometimes right um, so, so yeah that was the uh, that was my first real um, you know, really, the real thing that uh, got me really hard for boxing for the year, um, yeah, Jesse Rodriguez, and then we saw, um, we finally saw the rivalry come to fruition, um, and uh, Kel Brook for uh, Amir Khan, <laughs> you know, five years too late. <laughs> so the, the the British Pacquiao has this moment, right? Oh my god! <laughs> it's like, but um, 
Yeah, and uh, what happened is Kel Brook beat Amir Khan up, just completely beat the shit out of him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing about the thing about Kel Brook is uh, he's got so many things wrong with him, but his timing's fantastic. And uh, and it hadn't gone enough just then for Amir Khan to leap his way past. Yeah, I'm sure, I assume you're familiar with both fighters I mean, to some yeah, extent. I mean, basically, like, Khan's yeah. whole thing is that the, the, the mimetic thing, if you catch him, yeah, American goes down. And I yeah, presume he's is, slowed down. Uh, he has slowed, slowed down enough for Kyle Brook to, like, finally, you know, to, to, to have that edge with the timing. Yeah. To have a bigger edge with the timing. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And I think the thing, the thing for me was it was always going to, it was always tricky because, uh, like I would, I would always have picked Kel Brook because his timing has always been so good. Mm. Like uh, even, you know, even uh, Terence Crawford, he he beat him, he beat the shit out of him, but um, it took him a few rounds to figure out the timing, and Brook caught him a few times. Um, and you know, Amir Khan was never going to be able to avoid him; it just wasn't going to happen. So, so yeah, it's a bit of a shit kicking. Um, yeah, there's not much to say other than that. Um, you know, everyone who doesn't like Amir Khan, which is apparently most people, celebrated. But uh, but yeah, uh, it was the end of two careers, I think, because neither one of them is going to fight again. As far I mean, as I yeah, know. I, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, the first fight I watched with uh, Kel Brook featuring Kel Brook was uh, the Golovkin beating, and uh, yeah. So, so even after that one, I was like, oh my god, what's he going to do next? <laughs> yeah, he's he's had the biggest waste of career because he was a welterweight for ages. Mm. Remember, he just kind of he fought Sean Porter, and then he didn't kind of fight anyone for ages. Um, just kind of circling, and then he jumped up two divisions to fight Kel Brook. Uh, he was supposed to fight someone else. I can't remember who it was, uh, but there was a financial crash. This was the stupidest thing. <laughs> there was a financial crash or something, and uh, his opponent pulled out the fight because his guarantee had been paid in pounds. Of, oh, it was Brexit. Brexit crashed the fight because uh, his guarantee had been. Uh, in pounds and not dollars. Oh my god! And uh, after Brexit, the pound crashed, and um, his opponent's guarantee came down. So he said, "No, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm not having it." The stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Um, so he fought Golovkin and got beaten up, and then he fought Errol Spence and got beaten up. Uh, but that, now he's got his validation as the best uh, best fighter in Britain from that era, which is almost definitely not true. But but anyway, and on the same day, we also saw another chinny leapy hand speed fighter get fucked up because uh, poor old Jorge Linares got uh, got uh, knocked out I think I think he got knocked out by Abdul Alev. Um it's not not a significant fight but um, it's just worth mentioning because uh, Linares is kind of like the uh, the um, the yeah, American answer no he's not American he's um, is he cool? uh, Venezuelan answer to Amir Khan really um, but uh, so it was a it's a nice little. I mean, there's also the knockdown against Lomachenko, which is which is why casuals mostly remember him, I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been such a frustrating fighter because he's quite similar to Khan. He's got these really flashy things, and he like occasionally he gets in with someone really good and looks quite good. Yeah. And then he'll get in with someone like three levels below and absolutely shit. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's also got paper skin. Like he'll get cut if you blow on him. It's yeah. fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so his career ended in a. Well, he lost that fight, and then he had another two fights left in his contract with a Russian promoter. And so he's doing a sad trombone ending. I was just looking before this uh, episode, and I saw that he fought in December and lost to some random 
I think it was a Lithuanian in Russia. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's an ignominious end to a career. But, um, yeah. I mean, that's how most okay. most fighters end up, sadly. It's just kind of what happens. Yeah. yeah. They're just going, going on too long there. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to move on. It's still in February. Um, there's a Josh Taylor versus Jack Cattrall, um, which was a unification fight. No, it wasn't even a unification. Taylor had all the belts already. And you're fighting Jack Cattrall. He's, like, he's this British level fighter. And going into it, this is one I got badly wrong. Mm. Uh, because um, Jack Cattrall was sort of a British level fighter. And he's quite good. But Josh Taylor should have been, in my opinion, levels above him. Um, and then, you know, Cattrall just kind of won. Except the judges didn't see it that way. And it was the most controversial decision of the year. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it was a really weird performance. Because... Um, just Shader just didn't do any of the things that he's good at and some of it was Jack Catterall um, you know doing pretty cool things like drawing him on and uh, countering him but it was just it was disappointing because um, I don't know if you uh, if you pay attention to me and Taylor on Twitter we shout out Lee Wiley a lot um, he's an analyst uh, he's like he's a video analyst who does these really cool videos uh, yeah, but now he works I've watched as, quite a bit of Lee Wiley yeah okay well fair enough um, he's, he works as a coach now um, with Ben Davison mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he was one of uh, one of um, Josh Taylor's coaches for this fight and it was like the things he's doing wrong are things that I know Lee Wiley knows and I don't you know is it a communication problem or, or is he just were well, they trying to change him into a different fighter and just haven't finished it was really weird um, he's now left that camp Josh Taylor so uh, yeah, so we'll never find so, out <laughs> yeah um because yeah, I mean, I like that team. Like people give Ben Davidson shit because he's a. I mean, he is. A, he's an asshole. But <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's so like, he has to put himself into every conversation about boxing like, Isn't all the Josh time. Isn't Josh Taylor constantly. the anti-vax guy? Or am I thinking of someone? Yeah, else? anti-vax and anti-vax and a bit of a racist. And uh, I think anti-vax, the anti-vax you might be thinking of. Um, I can't remember his name now. Um, English guy. I mean, of course, um, he's English. But, <laughs> yeah, well, just Taylor. Just Taylor Scottish in it, but. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, just Taylor's he he's that kind of crowd. He's he um, he retweets um, anti anti Islamic, anti Muslim, uh, you know, politicians and shit like that. So he, he's a, he's a dickhead, and he's been arrested for beating someone up uh, and calling them calling him gay slurs and things like that. So uh, so he's not a nice guy. But he, <laughs> you know, um, and the other thing, the other sort sort of notable thing that's come out of that fight is. Um, there's a new promoter in England. He's come taken over Eddie Hearn's contract at Sky. Mm. Um, the he's called Ben Shalom, and the uh, the promoter's called Boxer. Um, and the thing is, is he's you can tell he's got a lot to learn because say what you want about Eddie Hearn, but if you gave him a robbery like that, like a big event robbery like that, he would have made it. It happened in February. The rematch would have been in a big stadium in Scotland. You know, massive event. I mean. For and, all the belts, for Eddie everything. Eddie Hearn would have, you know, stirred up a shitstorm about that if it had happened. To exactly. Exactly. And um, what's happened with the fight instead is Josh Taylor kind of went, mm, I might move up, I might not move up, I might move up to, you know, to welterweight because this was 140, I might move up, it was, it was the weight cut. And he dropped like three belts and he went, I'm not moving up. Jesus. I'll fight, I'll fight, I'll fight Jack Cattrall for the one belt I've got left. Um, but they still haven't fought. They were going to fight at the end of um, February. What the- they decided it was too close to Chris Eubanks' fight with um, 
can't even remember who it is now, Williams, I think. Um, you know, one of the Smiths. Um, in any case, it's too close to that, so they're moving it to March. And it's like, come on. You, know, you could have made both of these guys stars. And, that's like, and that's, that's, that's a crazy bad fumble. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, you've yeah. had it. <laughs> you've had yeah. the unexpected decision. You've had the guy overperforming. You've had the star kind of uh, the, the more you know well-regarded fighter underperforming and so th- there's the narrative right there you can spin it into any anything you want yep no it was a it was a mad yeah it's just it's just terrible terrible promoting um he's done quite well that's kind of throwing money at fighters but um but he has to learn that like you can look back in history and see eddie Hearn, what eddie Hearn did with carl frock versus george groves mm. it's like exactly the same situation and he made both of them stars and uh and Frock's record for attendance didn't get beaten until, uh, well, this year. I know Anthony Joshua did, but um, but there is a new record for attendance in post-war boxing in Europe. Uh, I don't know if you uh, if you saw this. I'm skipping ahead a I bit. I mean, Carl Frog um, cannot um, shut up about beating George Gross in front of like <laughs> a, a, a half of all the people in Europe at, at the Wembley yeah. Stadium. So <laughs> yeah, can't exactly. Uh, no, he's a. Uh, um, but no um, this uh, I'm going to skip a bit but just uh, in April Tyson Fury fought uh, Dillian White and that is the second biggest live crowd in the world since World War 2 mm. fucking Dillian White <laughs> I mean so, we can snark about it but like truth be told that's what promoting should be like you actually like promote yeah. the fights <laughs> so, yeah. so everyone makes money yeah and Tyson Fury you know he knows what he's yeah. doing promotionally so uh, so does Dillian White actually Dillian White is one of the most successful uh, managers in Britain at the moment fucking ridiculous <laughs> he's, he's found two two un, completely unknown heavyweights and uh, made uh, made them both stars um, Adam Babich and Fabio uh, Wardley so <laughs> you know what can you do anyway um, and yeah the the fight for the, the week that Taylor Cashel happened you know, going back to to the plan, um, that was a bit crazy because um, you also had uh, two other ridiculous upsets that actually got um, they actually got called. But um, there was one guy, German and Cajas. He's a superfly. He's he's sort of the other superflyweight um, champion, and um, no one talks about him because he never fights anyone. He's kind of been uh, holding the belt hostage for about ten years. Oh, <laughs> uh, let me see. Not ten years, but um, yeah, five years. A good five years since two thousand seven, two thousand sixteen. He won the belt, and he's basically fought no one of note um, since then. And he fought. He pulled out this random Argentinian, um, Fernando Martinez, just completely out of nowhere. Thirty-one year old Argentinian who's never fought outside of Argentina, um, and Martinez fucked him up. <laughs> so, so that was fun. And then they had a rematch in like September, October, and um, and and, and Cajas was basically like, oh yeah, I just didn't cut weight properly. I wasn't taking the fight seriously, so this time I'm definitely going to win. Um, so they got back in the ring, and um, Martin, Martinez fucked him up again. <laughs> so that was that's why. <laughs> it was just exactly the same fight. Um, yeah, it was a it was a brutal one. If you like a bit of an action, you know, action war, then um, Martinez versus Cajas, um, both of them. Like, you're not necessarily going to watch the whole both both fights end to end but uh, I mean you can, you can watch either one of them I mean, it's, it's still going to be yeah basically 
I'll say watch the second one it's more relevant because it's a more recent one but um, but yeah that, no, that was enjoyable and um, and then there was another uh, an American prospect you know one of those really flashy prospects with the pink hair and the um, um, the uh, gladiator shorts um, Chris Colbert and uh, he got beaten up by um, um, uh, Lewis, Hector Lewis Garcia who was another you know um, I can't remember what nation he hails from but it was another you know Central America so, so the guy America. with the gladiator shorts got yeah. Good. Got, Good. Got, got beaten up. Yeah. The, those shorts are awful. I, I I hate them. I hate that trend. Anyone who puts well, on the gonna... gladiator shorts should be beaten up. That, that's 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 my conviction. Yeah, you're gonna have to deal with them because um, Jerome Ennis is gonna be. He should be a big star next year. I, I mean, I uh, like Ennis. He wears, he wears I, I recognize his skills. I I recognize <laughs> that he's a you know a promising fighter. Could be someone elite, but those shorts, man, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. Well, then, in case in that case, you may enjoy uh, enjoy Chris Colbert getting a uh, just completely melting. Like he's supposed to be this cool outboxer, and he just completely melted under pressure, <laughs> and had no ideas. My podcast was um, I was I was actually angry at him for how badly he didn't have a plan B. It was a bit of a running theme for me this year like it was just like week after week, especially after the start of the year. It was like this happened and this and then this happened and then one fight or another just didn't have a second plan you know they had this first thing that they're good at and then they didn't have a backup plan it's it's so fucking irritating i mean it's um, boxing but, yeah, it was... you, you, the, bo- boxing if anything has the biggest history of like fighters having plan b's and like having planned for every occasion every round so th- that's kind of like incom- <laughs> just like, yeah. mma it, it's mma's whole thing to not have plans like come on yeah yeah, that, that, that's why um, I was happy to see, um, you know, when I said um, Bam Rodriguez had a slightly trickier fight mm. um, later on in the year, I was, I was happy to see it because I could see that he did have a plan B um, because I've just been getting so frustrated throughout the year of seeing, uh, you know, supposedly good fighters just completely not have a second idea. Um, and yeah, the other thing that happened uh, in that week is now I am now going to drop something in the Discord for you um, was um, Jordan Gill. He's a British level lad. Like he's 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 kind of like Kelbrook, but uh, much much chinnier. Um, and he was fighting Karim Gwerfi, who's a European champion. And um, I'm just going giving a bit of the backstory before you watch this because um, he basically Jordan Gill. He'd had his ear eardrum burst. He'd been knocked down. He'd been DDT'd because um, Gwerfi grabbed hold of him and fell over backwards and um, and um, knocked uh, knocked Jordan Gill silly. And he'd hurt his knee, so he couldn't walk, he couldn't move, and he just retreated into his corner for like five rounds. And it was a fantastic corner performance, I have to say, um, by Dave Caldwell. He just said, "Stand above me, like don't go anywhere. Stand above me, because you can't walk. If you walk, the referee's going to call the fight yeah. off. Stand above me, stay there, and listen to what I say." And he did that for like five rounds. And um, <laughs> um, and I think towards the end of the, I think it was the eighth. I'm going to drop it in the thing now. And. Uh, at the end of the eighth, when almost definitely would have been stopped at the end of this round, um, this happened. What well, I've just dropped into the okay. um, thing. Okay, so he stood there for for the entire five rounds after getting you know, yeah badly hurt. Just basically didn't walk out of his corner and made Guerfi come to him. But... <laughs> Why did Guerfi not make Jordan Gill move out the corner? I. Th- don't know. I think he just lost his head a bit himself. Like he's not a world level fighter, okay. but he's you know he's quite good. But he just kind of lost his head and thought, oh yeah, I've got the pressure on. 
I mean, yeah, that that's that 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 will go into the you know greatest corner performances compilation, I guess, or greatest comebacks or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost definitely going to be my knockout of the year, just, just because of the. There have been there have been some good knockouts this year, but that just ridiculous. I mean, the context like you, just is what makes it. Yeah. If you watch, um, if you've still got it up, um, watch afterwards as Jordan Gill walks off and he literally can't walk, he falls over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, just... he's using the, the ropes to prop himself up. Yeah. Yeah, and like Eddie Hearn's like, yeah, oh, shit, 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 get him help, get medical attention. Uh, was uh, Guayfi yeah. okay after this? Like, did he get the. Yeah, um, he, was down for, he was down for quite a while, but um, he's fought since and. Um, he um, well, he got knocked out again by Michael Conlon like three weeks ago. <laughs> okay, so that didn't go great for him. <laughs> but um, but he did. He's he was okay. Yeah, I mean he's been back fighting and all of that. So okay. So yeah. So um, I mean, obviously that was it's not okay that he got knocked out. But what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, it's a spot. You know, in boxing, you kind of have to do with it. And um, yeah, Jordan Gill went on to fight um, Kike Martinez, and he got beaten up as yeah. well. Like, he's just got no chin. He's got no, not really good defense and no chin. But I, I enjoy watching him, but, but he's not very good. <laughs> um, um, then, uh, okay, we're moving on. We're still only in March. Um, Chocolatito for um, Julio Cesar Martinez, who is like a really irritating, um, fun to watch, but a very irritating Mexican fighter. Mexican fighter. And uh, he... Uh, he got um, completely and utterly schooled by Chocolatito. Um, that was it, just a masterclass performance. You know, one of those where just reminded you how good Chocolatito is. So if you haven't seen that one, you know, at some point find the time because it's just one of those masterclass performances um, against someone who's quite good. Um, but it just kind of showed uh, the idea of having variations of pace of pacing like timing yeah. because um, Martinez is quite good but he always fights at 100% like full he's really explosive and really powerful and he always goes 100% and Chocolatito beat him by basically not going 100% all the time and, uh, and knowing where everything was going to come yeah it's basically just yeah. Chocolatito being patient essentially right yeah taking yeah. his time yeah and there wasn't you know there's there's not too much to you know I, like I say I could break down the performance but I've already done that so I'm not going <laughs> to uh, I'm not going to do it, do it too, go into, into into it too much. But um, I mean, they can just watch it and then and then they'll. Yeah, exactly. Out. Like anyone who hasn't seen it, that that is one of the fights I would say you should watch from this year. Like one of the ones that you really should catch up on because it was a just a you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a fantastic fight in a fight of the year sense because it was too one sided. But uh, it was one of those really cool performances, and I think it was the same card. Um, another knockout that I've dropped into the. Uh, chat for you this doesn't need much setup. it was just a very silly sloppy fight um, but but the knockout was uh, spectacular so so um, have a look oh fucking hell <laughs> it just gets folded yeah <laughs> Folds in half, yeah. And like Lara, like the commentary mentioned, Lara had been sort of wobbling just before, um, but not Lara. But, but, punches but, but you say the fight was comical prior to this one. Prior to the yeah, it was just because they're both really sloppy <laughs> fighters. Like Lara is, um, he's he's he hits ridiculously hard for um, um he is a featherweight. I'd assume and, the problem is he... that he knows he hits ridiculously hard and tries to lean into yeah. it. Yeah, 
yeah, that's basically his whole thing, is just winging really hard shots as hard as you possibly can at his opponents. And he beat, well, yeah, he got robbed against Josh Warrington. No, he beat Josh Warrington doing that, and then he had a clash of heads. So um, he's found it quite hard to get, you know, other opponents in. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, and yeah, Sanchez is basically the same, but not quite as good. <laughs> so they're just standing there swinging big shots at each other. It was a very silly fight. Um, but, uh, it was only a couple of rounds, so I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, not too much to say about that. Like Lara, everyone wants Lara to fight, um, you know, the other fighters at featherweight, but none of them really want to get in the ring with him because he's because uh, he hits really fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, the other thing that happened in uh, March was probably most people's contender for fight of the year uh, was um, Mickey Conlon versus um, Lee Wood which was another um, Ben Davison special because um, Conlon this is a fight I got hilariously wrong I mean I was I said in my podcast afterwards I'm glad I uh, didn't have time to preview it because I would have been embarrassingly wrong about it because <laughs> um, basically um, Conlon uh, I don't know are you familiar with Conlon like before you remember the photo of him from the Olympics um, uh. he's a guy who he's a guy who gave the middle finger to the judges after getting robbed oh, yeah <laughs> that guy yeah <laughs> So he's got he's got a bit of a following, but as a pro, his style has basically been uh, you know jab and move, jab and move, jab and move, jab and move. Mm. And you know my prediction was going to be that that's what he's going to do, and he's going to beat Lee Wood, who's a bit slow of foot. Um, but what actually happened is Conlon decided, okay, this time I'm going to engage. And the first time of the fight, he was winning like really comfortably, and then Lee Wood just started making little adjustments, and he was getting good advice from his corner. Um, and just started making little adjustments and the thing about Conlon is when you get him into the pocket he kind of um, the first it's always like the first two things he does are good and then the third thing he does is really so stupid and he gets really out of position hasn't really got the depth in the pocket is what you're saying yeah basically um, and um, and as the fight went on Wood started getting further and, you know he started winning the rounds but he probably still needed a knockout um, as a fight you know as a fight he needed knockdowns or knockouts too and to be sure of the win so in I think it was the 10th round you've seen a second uh, he did this well, I, I've just dropped the same fight in again hold on <laughs> let me uh, let me copy the actual uh, the actual link I wanted to drop on you um, very clever this morning there we go that should be it yeah there's a he did this nope <laughs> Re- region logged <laughs> Oh fuck's sake! Come on, <laughs> right? Well, what he did was um, he knocked um, Lee, he knocked um, Michael Conlon literally out of the room. <laughs> so, oh, I think I saw that. Yeah, like you might have way. seen it. He fell, he fell down. He got, I think he got caught. Yeah, um, I mean that was a bit concerning in the time as well. Like, I laugh about it now, but um, Conlon was down for quite a while. Yeah, I was um, uh, browsing Twitter the other like uh, at the time when it happened, and I saw that yeah. those guys falling out, or Conlon falling out at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Conlon, Conlon has made a good recovery and he's he beat up Karen Goyfi, um about two weeks ago so he's fine but uh, but yeah, that was a it was a really good fight actually it's just you know and it's you know reasonably skilled it's not like elite elite level but they're both you know just about world level fighters you could say you know European British level uh, above that so um, yeah um, I can't call I can't call Conlon British because he's uh, he was born in Belfast but he's Irish so um so, I mean, he's so, aggressively yeah, Irish, given what yeah, I know. Very, about very Irish. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but that, yeah, that was that was a really good fight. And uh, anyone who hasn't seen it, if you have the time, um, it is worth catching up. 
you know, even if neither of these guys is going to trouble the top of the division again, like, well, Lee Wood is still a champion, so he will trouble the top of the division again, but he isn't going to, you know, um, he's not going to be relevant forever, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. But but the British, like, the, there's loads of really good British fighters in at Featherweight, but they're all different promoters, so it's kind of like, are you going to fight each other? Yeah, probably not. Um, but, but hopefully, hopefully. Um, there's one guy, um, Nick Ball, um, who I have in my notes somewhere, but I'll mention him now because he's at featherweight, so he's relevant. But he's five foot. He claims to be five foot five now, but originally he claimed yeah, his listing was five foot two, and that's much more plausible because um, all of his fights involve him basically just punching straight upwards. <laughs> so he's uh, five, five foot five, the same way that uh, Michael Chandler is five foot eight. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but he's just so fun to watch. He's like. He's, you know, he's clearly been taking notes from Mike Tyson. You know, I'm not saying he's as good as Mike Tyson, but he basically uses being tiny to come in under his opponents and then just leap up into punches. Um, and he, you know, he's not at world level yet. I think he'll get there. Um, you know, he's one to look out for next year if he can get the fights that he wants. He's also the most like aggressively. Um, he's, I mean, he's dirty sometimes. Um, one of his knockouts this year involved him. Um, he hit his opponent so hard he span around um, and was the sort of leaning headfirst against the ropes and the referee didn't stop it so Ball just sort of stood there and waited for him to turn around and then clocked him as he turned and uh, got the knockout. So he's, you know, he, he will stay within the rules but as close to the edge of the rules yeah, as possible. Yeah, areas. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like the type of... Yeah, exactly. Because like, exactly. if the referee isn't paying attention, I mean, might as well... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Basically, he's the kind of fighter that Ryan would fucking hate because he's, you know, there's nothing uh, clean about his form or the way he fights, <laughs> but he's just really, you know, enjoyable, and aggressive, and fun. And at the moment, he's British level, but um, I hope to, I hope to see him world level. He's just fun, you know. Um, I am a little bit biased towards the British side because that's just you know I watch more of those fights than everywhere else. But uh, all right, um, I'm moving on to April now. How long have we been talking? Quite a while. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's alright I mean, it's, it's the year in review these always take yeah. a long time yeah that's fair um, Golovkin versus Murata um, which was uh, uh, yeah <sighs> Golovkin is yeah. is old he's old exactly that's exactly people were telling me you know I was having arguments about this at the time and like, people were like yeah he won in the end like what do you want he he warmed up and he got to the fight and he I mean, won it took him like, like, like half the fight to warm up first of all and then, yeah. and then when, he, when he got warmed up he didn't look like you know it, it wasn't like he had to step on the gas in order to get the finish it was still as slow as he started out it's just that Morata also got beaten up a little bit and slowed down yeah it's just Morata game plan badly and gassed in the first three rounds that's really what happened yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was yeah. a good, good gutsy performance from both. Uh, yeah, Golovkin showed that he can still, you know, move around and box and kind of like tough things out when he actually needs to tough things out. But he's not gonna tough things out against. Uh, he he wasn't yeah. gonna tough things out against uh, Alvarez the, the third time around. No, come on. No, and you know, even though that, that fight uh, ended up, you know, it ended up closer than I expected, just because Canelo was so. It was so such a weird year for the, like the old sort of aging big names because stuff. What the fuck happened to Canelo? We'll get onto him yeah, in a second, yeah. but uh, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Basically, I came out of the Golovkin Muratov going, he's not going to beat Canelo. It's a pointless fight. I don't know why it's happening. You know, 
Yeah. Um, and that proved right. But um, on the same day, uh, I think it was the same day, um, we had Fendora, Sebastian Fendora versus Ericsson Lumen. And Fendora basically became one of my favourite fighters this year. Um, you know, I don't know. Are you familiar with him? Uh, I don't think so, no. He's, he's the six foot five um, junior middleweight. Um, so he's built like a stick. Um, and I have never, I've never seen a fighter who looks less like what he fights like. So, oh, so he he doesn't lean on being a stick. Essentially, is what you're saying. No, huh. he he's an he's a what he actually is is a, an infighting tank. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but, <laughs> Makes no fucking I mean, sense. I mean, I love it. More stick stick shaped people need need to actually do that because you know. The reach gives you an enormous advantage when you actually press forward, and, yeah, yeah. and on the inside you're tricky yeah. to tie up with. So why not? Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what it is. Um, it's exactly what he does. He just gets inside. He can throw punches from such ridiculous angles because he can come all the way around. <laughs> um, but he he, he, can, he still generates power when he's doing it because um, you know he just really whips him through. Yeah. Um, and it's just really, it's really cool, like, yeah, and, and he can take a punch as well. Like, um, he's fighting Ericsson Lubin, who's quite good. Um, he's one of those fighters who's a bit confused about what fighter he should be, because um, he's much more sk- like Lubin's skilled in the pocket. He knows what he's doing in the pocket, but his chin is really shit. Mm. So then he defaults to going on the outside, um, but he's not that good at being on the outside. So he keeps like jumping between the the two of them, and it was a good fight because basically, you know, he'd come in, fight it out with Fedora on the inside, and then he'd drop out and he'd struggle there because Fedora, you know, he doesn't like being on the outside, but he's six foot five, so so it's fine, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's basically um, at one point Lubin went, okay, this isn't working for me. I'm really going to put all my effort in. I think it was like the sixth round, and he hit Fedora really fucking hard, and Fedora kind of wobbled for a bit and got to the end of the round. And uh, and that was it for Lubin. Like Lubin hit him so hard, he uh, he drained himself, <laughs> and, uh, and that was the end of the fight. Like the next round, Fandora just came out. He'd like he'd recovered from being wobbled. He came out and he just stepped on the gas and flattened him. And Lubin had no answer. <laughs> so it's like if you're in that division, if you're 154 pounds and you're looking at, you know, Lubin's a good. He's a world level fighter. He's not like pound for pound, but he's a world level fighter. And he just, uh, you know. Like you have to hit him with like it was literally you could see him gather up all of his strength into like a video game move and like every ounce of strength into this last punch and it just had kind to of cook the punch wobbled first before, before <laughs> yeah. it. and it just yeah and it just kind of Fandora just kind of like went okay you know yeah that hurt me I'm gonna I'm gonna recover for the next thirty seconds and uh, uh, does does Fandora uh, actually have like uh, any trouble making the weight or he says no he says he walked around at like um one sixty which um. You know, it's not it's not a high walk oh around weight that, for 150 pounds. That guy pounds is all diesel noid up. I, I, like, I yeah. have no other way to describe him. Just look him up. The man's gigantic. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. And um, you know, when he's not fighting, he he wears like these. Um, he look he he looks like a nice young man. Like he has these glasses and uh, just such a soft spoken guy as well. And then he gets in the ring and it's, it's this fucking unmovable tank. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the thing you can't move him back. Like you, you'd expect someone like that who looks like that to at least be a bit fragile, and you're just not. So, you know, it's going to be fun watching him going forward. It's a good division he's in. So, mm-hmm. you know, 154 pounds. Um, one of the fights coming up just fell apart. Um, Tim Chu was supposed to be fighting um, Charlo, and I'm really hoping they call Fedora up to fight Chu instead. But 
I don't see it happening, but uh, it's a good division. Um, so yeah, that's a that was that. Uh, and then yeah, we had Spence versus Ugas uh, a couple of weeks later. Um, the man who cannot stop getting into car accidents just fucking loves him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Anyway, the, <laughs> yeah. If, assuming he's okay um, after that car crash. Uh, yeah, I was quite surprised because, um, like, my notes on the fight, like my podcast afterwards, was this was probably the best performance of Spence that I've seen. Um, you know, it's hard to say because Ugas was never going to beat yeah. him, but um, but there was a bit more lateral movement and that kind of thing from him, so so it was good. But it's not going to go down in history as anything, you know, super relevant. Um, but the main thing I remember from that card was um, Stanionis versus Batayev. It's not like a you know must watch fight. Like if you've got a moment. Give it a look, um, just so you know who Stanionis is, I guess. Um, but Stanionis, he's also a welterweight. Um, he's Lithuanian, I think. And he's that, he's in that position where it's a bit unfortunate because um, he hasn't got the crowd. Like he hasn't got any uh, um, following, but he's really good. <laughs> so no one wants to fight him. Um, but for some reason, he um, he is being uh, ordered to fight. Uh, Virgin Ortiz in I think it's not like April or March um, so basically I'd recommend if you want to see you know what's coming in basically Stenionis is going to be a relevant fighter at welterweight for the next few years I would suggest um, and he had a good fight with Bataev it was like a you know inside fight pocket boxing performance uh, huh. both of them are really good uh, yeah I'm not gonna you know it's not it's not one where you go, where you're gonna go come out being not fight of the year but, it, but it's fun uh, okay I've already talked about my next talking point because it was Tyson Fury versus Dillian White being uh, being the biggest crowd so I won't talk about that Dillian um, White man <laughs> yeah Jesus so I've I've never seen a person outperform his own talent so so much like he's clearly done something right in his career yeah it's a uh, I mean, it's always like yeah. the way that Dillian White gets hyped up by the British crowd. It's it's psychotic. <laughs> Just yeah. no, never seen that that, uh, that large of a following for a guy who is just it just isn't what not people really. are saying he is. <laughs> yeah, you know he's he's entertaining, yeah. but he's not good. <laughs> yeah, and he's one of the least athletic people I've ever seen in my life. So I swear he moves like he's got injuries, like he's got back injury. Uh, he can't move backwards. It's it's a uh, silly. In any case, it wasn't a very significant fight. You know, Tyson Fury should be fighting better, better fighters. Uh, yeah, the, like the most interesting thing of that card was when um, Nick Ball was fighting Tyson Fury's cousin, and uh, like I already knew Nick Ball. Like I talked about him like a few minutes ago, so like I already knew him coming in. But this was when people sort of noticed who he was because he was fighting with Isaac Low. Low who's um, Tyson Fury's cousin and it was supposed to be like Isaac Lowe's going to beat up this little guy and look really good and it didn't happen um, so uh, so that was fun um, I think I'm going to move on to May now and um, one of the things from this year um, was women's boxing became like a really big thing because uh, uh, box- boxing's been a bit behind on that behind MMA that's one one place where to, you know, to the fury of some of our uh, co-workers, Ryan, um, M- women's MMA is actually quite big. 
unfortunately, yes, it, it is. Yeah. And, uh, as a result, it has a, a lot of weirdness about it, but uh, that, that, that's a yeah. topic for another day. Yeah. And I mean, a women's boxing, I think is gonna, it's going to face some of the same issues because there's a few fighters at the top who are really good, um, but then like no depth whatsoever. Mm. Um, but I'm trying to be like not negative about it because you can see like even like in the last two, three years, there's more depth now than there was three years ago. Um, so the more, the more they get paid and the more, the more stuff there is, uh, you know, of these big events, um, the more it's going to build up, I think. Um, you know, I hope so anyway. And um, yeah, basically Katie Taylor fought Amanda Serrano, Amanda Serrano, which is probably the biggest women's fight of all time. Mm. Um, it's not quite the fight that, um, Katie Taylor made it out to be because after the fight, um, I will forgive her for this because Adrenaline was talking, but she said, um, until now, um, the biggest uh, fight from uh, Madison Square Garden, what everyone talks about, has been Muhammad Ali. As this, um, I can't remember who it was. Was it Frazier? Uh, the Garden? Uh, the Garden, I think it was Frazier, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she said, but now they're going to be talking about uh, Taylor and Serrano. Uh... <laughs> so, no, <laughs> they're not. But um, but it was a good fight. It was a, it was a good, and, um, you know, they're both good they're both pretty good boxers you know you wouldn't compare them to the best of the men at the same same weight but they're good boxers and it was fun um, two minute rounds was bullshit but uh, but yeah um, it was slightly controversial because some people thought Serrano should have won but it wasn't one of those where you're going to be like um, you know it was robbery um, so yeah and then you had Shakur Stevenson winning really boringly uh, was this a fight uh no, it was later on. Um, Shakur Stevenson. I'll, I'll talk about it now, so that I would, you know, don't talk about it later. He fought um, twice this year, and the first one was a really good performance uh, against. Um, I should have written this down. Very professional. <laughs> um, he fought Oscar Valdez and sort of cemented himself as the best fighter at 130 pounds in uh, in in April, and then in September he fought Robson Conceição. And he just didn't even try to make weight. He was like, fuck it. I don't want to make weight. <laughs> he came in overweight. And obviously he won that as well. Um, but it was just a bit like, oh yeah, I'm going to move up move up to 135 now, which is fair enough. But it's just complete disrespect to your opponent to just like, yeah, I'm moving up after this fight. I'm just going to do what I like. Um, but he's really, but he also proved that he's just really fucking good um, because like, the fight in April was against um, Oscar Valdez, who was sort of the other best fighter at the weight. And it was, you know, levels performance. He just scored it basically. Um, but Stevens is not the most exciting fighter in the world. He's an outboxer, point fighter. But um, I think he gets a little bit too much stick now. I think people are remembering fights he had before, where it was just literally just jab, 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 jab. Um, there was a bit more now. Like he's, he's. I think he he knows that he has to be more exciting. So he's giving now it he though. tries to do more than one punch. Yeah, like he comes in, he throws in a little, he throws a little combo, and then escapes. You know, it's, it's fun to watch if you like the technical thing. Um, he's, you know, he's never going to be Golovkin or, or whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's not the most uh, most exciting fight to ever happen, but I should mention it because uh, Shakur Stevenson's going to be a big deal in the next few years. So, and then we had Bivol versus Canelo, which was um, fucking hilarious. <laughs> Oh. Another one I got really badly wrong because before this fight I didn't like Bivol at all. Yeah, same. Like Bivol yeah. really surprised me because he actually—I mean, 
I, I suppose it was a case of him fighting to the level of his opposition, or like winning, like by acquiring a, a reasonable enough lead and then getting away with it. Just like a really, yeah. really safe, safe performances. Like on the come up, he was a bit more exciting because there were knockouts, there were like more dominant decisions, and then uh, after Barrera, I would say he would just uh, get these academic victories. I would, uh, but I, the way I would put it is like those were were perfectly fine academic victories. Like he got uh, he got the B. And he was like, "Okay, I'm fine with it." <laughs> Just yeah. ne- never would really like stepped on it in any of those moments. Yeah. And then I guess uh, Alvarez, he just really comes out firing in all cylinders. Yeah. No, my main my main thing going in was like, I'd never really seen Bivol be really good in the pocket. Yeah. No, he he always seemed to like even when he was in the pocket occasionally he didn't seem like he wanted to be there and it was like he'd occasionally get yeah clipped, the knockouts but, like, he, he fought, the knockouts were always like him yeah. landing a crisp one two never never like a, a left hook or a, or a tight uppercut or anything like that yeah so so seeing him compete with Canelo like not just compete but like really dominate Canelo you know he fought on the outside a lot but uh, he pushed him you know he he won by pushing Canelo off balance and beating him in the pocket and like, okay he's a bigger guy but. Yeah, that just came out came out of nowhere for me. Mm. And uh, you know, there were people who had been telling me before, you know, yeah, this might come, might happen. But uh, you know, I mean, I was pleased because he turned out to be a likable dude. You know, yeah, I, I saw the ways in which Bivol could prove tricky for Canelo, which is like just being being large, and long, and knowing how to be large and long, and not just being like one of those yeah. tall men that uh, Canelo just does a good job of, you know, moving around and knocking around. Because because yeah. when he tried to, Canelo is really good at at um, enforcing his physicality, but Bill yeah. also is ext- an extremely physical fighter, so it didn't work. Yeah, and um, yeah, like, my other thing was Canelo is really good at fighting off his opponent's mm-hmm. jab, <laughs> um, and that just didn't work for him this time. Like, I, I mean, Bill just that, throws but... like so many different jabs, not just one jab. Yeah, it's always like. It, it comes from a different angle, has a different type of stink on it, has a different like type of timing to it. Sometimes he would just like jam his hand in your face and never stop jamming it. Yeah. Like, dun, 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 dun. Just really yeah. interesting, really like uh, fundamentally. I would say like Bivol really fights in a way that's uh, in that archetype of like a Soviet outfighter that you got in amateur boxing like way back when. It's kind of a throwback in that respect. Yeah, but he's like a really good version yeah. of it because we've seen those guys. You know, they, those guys pop up that like, sort of all the time in boxing. They kind of come up and they look quite good, mm. and then they kind of reach world level, and they're all right. You know, they they might win a title. And then turns out they're a bit look... stiff in the pocket, a bit stiff with the head movement, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, and Bivol just looks really fucking good. Like he fought Zerdo later in the year, um, and I mean, I, I knew, by that time I was like, yeah, um, if he shows up like he did against Canelo, Zerdo's got no chance despite being fucking massive yeah. <laughs> because uh, all uh, Gilberto Ramirez to give him his full name can do is he throws quite nicely in the pocket he throws nice combinations but that's literally all he's good at <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you watched him fight before or if you watched that fight at all uh, no um, I skipped that one I think yeah it's, I mean it was exactly what you might have thought basically Zerdo he's he's a he's a big guy and when he gets going he throws smooth combinations but he can't move, he can't uh, his footwork is shit <laughs> he keeps getting off balance he's got no jab and uh, 
defensively. Like, he throws nice combinations, but he doesn't defend himself while he's doing it. What do you think it. about beef so, or versus bitter, bitter beef? Versus better beef? Uh, I, I think I'd pick beef at this point mm. fairly. I mean, I wouldn't say comfortably because better beef. Uh, uh, he's a tank, uh, so. Yeah, he hits too hard. But um, it's just like, he's really good, Beterbiev, but um, but he, defensively, he doesn't do much. Um, and his footwork is, it gets him into a position where he needs to be against everyone he's fought so far, but it's not what you call technical. Yeah, he kind of, he's just kind of walking he about. He likes these bum rushes and blitzes. Kind of like yeah. almost MMA-esque blitzes where he just goes like, pump, punch, 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 and he just kind of like marches at you. It's yeah. really weird. And I just think, yeah, and I think like it works for him against the fighters he's fighting, mm-hmm. um, but I think uh, Bivol should have too much. Like you know, if you come at Bivol like that, he's just going to step out of your way, and uh, and we've seen Beterbiev is hurtable himself. Like he got sat on his ass by Cam Johnson, so um, so he's hurtable. Um, um, yeah, I I would pick Bivol. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be with certainty, but. Um, you know, I think it's irrelevant because Anthony Yard is fighting Berterbiev in February. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm making that one. Hey, obviously, like 37 oh, and they're, they're wasting all this yeah. time with fucking... Oh, my God. Yeah. Fucking boxing, man. I mean, that fight should have happened before, but they, someone got injured or yeah. something. Um, I do have to say, um, obviously, I am not going to pick Anthony Yard. You know, my official prediction isn't going to be <laughs> um, Anthony Yard wins. But I do think he's got slightly more chance than most people think just because um, his main problem to date has been catching people up who are trying to get away from him like that's when he looks bad when he has to close distance that just isn't going to be a problem in this fight and it's like okay his defence probably isn't good enough to sit with Betterbiv in the pocket but his hands are really fast like his hand speed is much faster than Betterbiv mm. um, and like whether you know I'm, I wouldn't pick him to be good enough to get his hands home before he gets knocked out but he might be you know like I say if uh, it's anyone who's been sat on his ass by Callum Johnson might could potentially get knocked out by Anthony Yard like probably not a very big chance but it is there so I will be you know I'll, I'll be watching that I mean, fight we're the things that and happens I, yeah exactly and I, I mean I like Anthony Yard anyway despite his coach <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's Anthony Yard's coach? Tim Dejai, Um he's the guy who um, for a long while he claimed he didn't spar at all um, and he, he declares himself the uh the genius of boxing and you know it's just fucking, so he's, he's David Brent one of those um, coaches that uh, tries to also yeah. become a star as a, a star yeah. coach as opposed to just a good coach mm. yeah and, I mean he's, he's the guy who was yelling uh, he literally told Yard to gas himself out chasing Kovalev uh, for a knockout when they fought um, but um, I will give him some credit is um, Anthony Yard last I think it was last, yeah, last year he got outboxed by Lyndon Arthur who's like this British guy he's basically jab and move type you know outboxer mm. not bad at it but um, British level um, and after that fight um, Yard um, I think Yard said look I need to change something so uh, Tunde got another guy in who's actually got boxing experience um, James Cook um, and they've clearly been working on some stuff because uh, Yard's footwork you know he's never going to be really good at this but his footwork's improved he's worked on I mean that's what counts closing distance you don't exactly. have to become uh, like the next anything in in an area of your game you just have to be decent at it to become just overall better yeah and basically he um, he fought Lyndon Arthur again in I think it was March this year um, it may have been late late last year um, but uh, yeah it was completely the this is that one little change of basically Yard started moving as he jabbed uh, instead of like, throwing a jab and then kind of lumbering its opponent 
And that little change turned the fight so completely that it went from a really obvious out, you know, he got completely outpointed the first time and then the second one he just fucked him up and beat, knocked him out in four yeah. rounds. And it was completely one-sided, one-sided beating. Um, so yeah, he's he's improving basically. You know, he hasn't got that. He's too, it's too late to make him like elite elite, but uh, he's, you know, I like Anthony Yard. So, so that was fun. Um, where are we? Charlo, Jamal Charlo fought Brian Castano. Um, I can't really remember the fight, so it can't have been that good. But, <laughs> but uh, um, I like Charlo. Well, I, I can't say I like Charlo because he's a wanker. But um, I mean, me neither. He is for the same reasons. Yeah, yeah. But he is an oddly good uh, rematch fighter. Like he keeps uh, losing the first fight or drawing the first fight. In this case, he fought Castano um, last year, and they drew. Um, and I think that was the one where Castano really should have got the victory. And they rematched, and Charlo just made the right changes and uh, and won. He did that with Tony Harrison before as well. Um, yeah, he lost a slightly controversial decision to Tony Harrison in 2018, and then like a year later, he came back and knocked him out. So, uh, you know, however dumb he seems, he's doing something right in the you know in between in between rematches, and now he's a uh, undisputed at, uh, at super welterweight at 154 pounds. Um, and yeah, he was supposed to be fighting Tim Chu this uh, this January, but it hasn't happened. Uh, he's broke his hand in sparring. He broke his hand in two spaces in two places oh, in training, geez. which is like, what the fuck? Are you, what the fuck are you doing? How is he punching? I mean, <laughs> what's he doing? Yeah. Like, he, is he wailing at someone's hips? What, what, what is this? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just don't know. But um, yeah, whoops. But yeah, I mean, he's he's quite, he's a weird fighter. He's got no t- no sense of timing whatsoever, but his technique is quite good. So. It's, like I, it's something I noticed if you watch uh, China fights he almost never lands when he's the first one to throw um, like almost always his opponent has to land something on him first and then he's got the range and timing to land back it's, it's almost embarrassing how badly bad he is at it but he's still you know despite that crippling um, this crippling um, flaw he's managed you know he's a good fighter he's he's uh, genuinely like he's not one of these bullshit sort of rounding up belts or for of nothing opponents he's you know won all the belts 154 so you've got to give him the respect for that um, but you know I still don't like him <laughs> uh, what have we got next uh, Noya in a way fought Nonito Donaire again um, locked him out uh, Nonito Donaire retired yeah I mean, uh, high time to retire I'd say for Donaire yeah I mean Fair's fair, fair, like, his late career resurgence was, uh, you know, I was not expecting it at Mm -hmm. all. But, um, yeah, fighting Inoue again was just a bit a step too far. Uh, And, yeah, Inoue just... uh, He had a very disappointing year. (laughs) He fought Donaire again, and he fought Paul Butler in the biggest mismatch I've ever seen. Just why? Like, why why is is his time being wasted? Like this. What's well, that, this this was to be fair not his fault. Um, he fought. Um, it was for the belt. Um, but Butler, like uh, that ridiculous sequence of events that led to Paul Butler having uh, the last belt, the IBF mm. belt. Um, so in a way, kind of he wanted to be undisputed before he moved on up. So um, so he had to find Paul Butler if he wanted to do that. But it was just, you know, Butler's best days were six years ago. And in his best days, he wasn't a world level fighter. So, so, so fighting, you know, pound for pound elite, one of the best boxers in the world, is just pointless. 
um, yeah that was uh, but yeah, yeah Innovator's Donair just Innovator was too fast and hits too hard for an old man so yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that very long um, but um, Stephen Fulton oh no we had Haney versus Cambosis on the same day um, the rematch uh, no, the rematch was later on. The first fight was Cambosos. Um, was Haney just being a bit too good for Cambosos? Um, you know, um, Cambosos won the belts. It was a Cambosos won the un, undisputed belts by beating Tufimo Lopez. But it turns out he's not actually that good, and uh, you know he couldn't get close to Haney. Um, Cambosos got the uh, flaw that he he's an inside combination fighter who doesn't know how to close distance. <laughs> So, uh, so he was just he was you know against some fighters that will work you can be like a really uh, really budget version of someone like Juan Manuel Marquez uh, is how I describe him but you know Marquez does know how to coexistence but his favourite thing to do is to get his opponents to come to him and then you know throw five six punches before they get away and that's kind of what Cambosos is trying to do but against Devin Haney it's just not going to work is it you know Haney has no interest in engaging with you if he doesn't have to um, so in the rematch because um, the first fight there wasn't a lot to talk about like it was you know not as boring as some made it out to be but it was just Haney boxing at distance and uh, winning really comfortably um, and I had a rematch uh, later in the year and Cambosos is um, planned you know this big change uh, in ta- technique to make him uh, to make him better was to go southpaw <laughs> so, what? you don't know how to fight southpaw you don't know how to do it <laughs> And then he was, I can't even remember what I said, but he was just doing all sorts of bullshit, like just completely unplanned, like throwing, you know, really weird punches, which works for some fighters, but you haven't learned how to do it properly. So This is like, I don't know, this is like a WMMA tier type adjustment. Yeah, because it was, literally, really... because that's what Amanda Nunez did uh, against, uh, who was it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you, um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, uh, but that worked for her against Pena, whereas it didn't work for Cambosos. And yeah, it was just the loads of... Instead of focusing on, this is the problem with my game plan, I need to, you know, fix up my technique. It was just like, like loads of... He's the same fighter he always was. It's just there was loads of bullshit on top of occasionally throwing, you know, really weird fight, really weird punches and things. So I got uh, I remember getting very annoyed about that. I can't remember exactly the details of it, but I remember getting very angry about it on my, on my podcast podcast. Uh, uh, but yeah, on the day of the original one, back in still back in May, um, we had Stephen Fulton against Danny Roman, and uh, Stephen Fulton's kind of snuck up on me. Um, I'm kind of assuming that you you know who he is, but not uh, not fully aware. Uh, I kind of actually, I'm, I'm like completely unaware. I would say. <laughs> okay, he's uh, he's American. Um, he's a uh, he is at Super Featherweight, Super Phantom. Um, I think he's moving up uh, to fight uh, Brandon Figueroa again um, at uh, one two four. So he decided previously in November yeah. uh, of last year. Yeah, that was a really good fight actually. Um, um, that was like a really nice inside um, inside mm. fight, clinch fest, but not really high action. That's worth watching. Um, but Figueroa is a kind of guy who just doesn't stop; he just throws all the time. Um, and then against Daniel Daniel Roman, he um, I expected to be, it to be another one because um, his Roman's kind of weakness he he gets in there, but he's not so good going backwards. And I thought Fulton would um, would look to do that, but instead he kind of um, just fought it wide. Um, 
wide ranging. Like he's a really well rounded fighter. He does shitloads of different stuff. Um, he's really good on the outside. He's really good on the inside. He knows how to clinch and push and you know all of that stuff. So he just put it all together. Um, you know, doing what Dan- what Roman didn't want him to do. In a you know in the times that Roman didn't want him to do it, never let him settle. And uh, he's in- he's impressing me because um, like in times gone by, he's really good at each individual phase, but he's always he's got a little weakness. Um, like as he transitions, mm-hmm. um, but he's getting better with it every time, like every time out. So um, against Roman, I thought, okay, if he does, like my prediction was that if he does try to switch in and out, then Roman might catch him. Um, but it just didn't happen. Like it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, on the cards for him. So like Fulson is now good enough that my prediction is, uh, if he stays at Super Bantam and Unue comes up, I might pick Fulton mm. in that fight. Because, um, you know, in a way, he's obviously like the big star, but he's coming up to, you know, I'm not convinced that he can knock Fulton out really easily. And in terms of like the overall skill set that Fulton has, he, he definitely has more skills like, and, um, in more different areas than you see from him. Yeah, way. and Dana, uh, uh, you know, I'm when, sorry. in a way, kind of, he's starting, he's a ridiculous counterpuncher, obviously, has has decent footwork coming backwards and forwards. But, uh, it's not like he ever changes up uh, yeah. in, in those minute details, like change, change up the stink on the, he puts on his shots, change up the timing of his shots. It doesn't do that. Kind of, kind of yeah. works to the same tempo and the same rhythm every time. Yeah, like he knows how he knows how to disguise his shots and things. Yeah. Like he knows, and so when he can draw his opponents on, it's fine. But um, we saw it against Butler. Um, he took eleven rounds to knock Butler out because he just doesn't really know how to break an opponent down who's, you know. He's focusing on defending certain things. Like he saw it in the first uh, Denair fight, and that was much more understandable yeah. because Denair's really good. But he didn't really have the tools to. Um... He also strikes me as really pressurable. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I, I mean, obviously yeah. Denair is really good. He's re- really, really good, so he was able to pressure in a way. But uh, just kind of still, still think there's something there. Still yeah. think that if you push him backwards and just can, can like uh, throw off his timing, that there may yeah. be a route to victory there. Yeah. Now, basically, I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't put money on it. I mean, I don't put money on anything anyway. But um, it wouldn't be the, the exact same fight. But uh, I could see a similar dynamic between Fulton and Inouye as we saw between Canelo and uh, and mm. Bivol, where Fulton, you know, if he if he can really close up those gaps in the transitions, he's got it in him to just really, you know, push Inouye back. And then kind of dance back and make him come to him, and punish him for that. And you know he's he's just really good, basically Fulton. And it, you know he might end up not being that elite level because he hasn't quite proven. You know, don't in a way is clearly really fucking good, and he might he might just have like a, you know the little gaps there. But um, but that's one of the fights I really want to see next year. That, that's um, might be number one on the fights apart from Usyk versus Fury. Um, I think Fulton versus in a way is that one to make. If they stay in their relevant divisions, uh, and on the same day, I'm uh, drop another chat, another knockout in the uh, in the chat. Um, Joe Cordina, who has he came into this fight with a reputation for absolutely no power, and he was fighting Kenichi Ogawa, who has quite a lot of power. And um, so the question was, um, how is how is Cordina going to handle this huge power disparity? And the answer was like this. Um, 
if it's not region locked. No, it's not, thankfully. <laughs> Classic. It's just, just a bit. The, what I enjoyed about that one is um, Joshua Boazzi is on commentary. He's the guy going, you know, um, um, Cordina has to find a way to make Ogawa respect him. And then when you see Cordina run to the ring ropes, uh, the guy jump, the first guy to jump up to hug him is Boazzi, who's just completely forgotten that he's supposed to be commenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's like ten seconds between the between him his commentary and hugging Cordina on the edge of the ropes. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's what happens when you get people to commentate on the friends, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, so basically, like, just fed him the jab to the body and then came in came in with a, with an overhand, just a classic yeah. switch up. So yeah, just really clean. Um, it's just that no one thought Cordina had this kind of power. Like, he couldn't crack an egg, <laughs> and suddenly he does this. So. <laughs> So, you know, fair, fair, fair. fair. And timing uh, and everything. Uh, yeah. That's the thing. And Cordino's always been like, he's had a really weird career because he came through, I think six years ago he turned pro. And um, he's just taken, really taken his time um, to um, to get up to like sort of world level because um, he's, uh, he's not 31, I think. So he's not young. And he's got really, like, he's got really clean technique. Like he's really pretty boxer if you know what I'm yeah. saying um, but um, but he struggled he was up uh, division higher um, and he really struggled to impose himself physically there so it came down to super feather yeah. um, to, 130, to 130 pounds and um, and he's doing better there but even even still he hasn't really looked like someone who can you know not even the power just he doesn't really shove about or anything like that. It's all technique. Yeah, not, not... Um, which is, you know, it's going to be a problem for him at some point. And people thought it was going to be a problem for him here. But yeah, he used that against Agara, I guess, because, you know, you could see Agara was trying to push through and, uh, yeah, got, <laughs> got caught. Yeah, it's like and one yeah, of so... those things where you just underestimate a guy because he hasn't really shown you anything that you should be threatened with. And now, and then you just kind of walk into something. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see because Super Featherweight is a good division, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean it's a really fucking good division. And Cordina has got one of the belts, so so we'll see how he handles it. Uh, you know, see how he handles against someone like um, I'd, I'd quite like to see him fight Shapkats on Rakimov, who um, he's not like one of the dirtiest fighters you've ever seen, <laughs> but um, but he's like he's got history of like fighting guys and getting a bit outboxed, um, and they're just kind of combination of uh, sheer bloody mindedness and some you know smart adjustments um, making them kind of melt and fold like and, uh, a, and crack under the pressure a good combination of gritty and crafty basically yeah and basically he's one of he's one of those rare guys where he gets really angry really like all the time <laughs> he loses it he loses his temper all the time but he doesn't lose his concentration when he does so he gets that he just gets fucking really fucking angry and then just starts doing the right thing as a result <laughs> of that which is it's kind it's, of weird. It's a pretty unique yeah. trait to have because usually, like when yeah. fighters get angry, they kind of lose their head, and so they become sloppy as a result. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, with Rakimov, uh, Rakimov, his uh, he fought Alfred Barrett this year. Um, he's like an English guy, um, pretty good. And yeah, this is basically exactly what he did. He was getting outboxed early on, and uh, Rakimov's got a real problem with. Uh, he's really he's pretty good when he's in close, but he has a weird punch selection, and he closes distance quite often with his face. 
So Barrett early on was, um, you know, just catching him and uh, not, you know, sending him spinning. Uh, but eventually he started uh, just getting inside Barrett's reach and uh, he does these Lomachenko-like moves on the inside, you know, sidesteps and circles. Mm. And um, and eventually Barrett's knee blew out and tried to keep up with it. Which <laughs> was, <laughs> you know, whoops. But, um, but yeah, but Rakimov should be sort of on the world. Uh, oh, yeah, he's got the world title as well, so... So yeah, you've got a nice bunch of uh, nice bunch of fighters in there. Um, Oscar Valdez still, just yeah, decent bunch of guys. So yeah, I just I'm gonna enjoy seeing Joe Gordy. I like watching Joe Gordy in a fight. He's not, you know, he's never gonna be pound for pound. He's just not athletic enough with that. But uh, he's got a really good bunch of skills. You know, he's 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 clearly a really well schooled amateur who's kind of translated that into box into the pro game. Um, you know, without the physicality that you normally associate with translating it to the pro game. But, uh, you know, nice combinations, nice, uh, really nice. He's got a lovely jab, uh, you know, all of that stuff. So Then we had uh, in June, the only thing I've got in my notes for June is Baterbiev versus Joe Smith, which was just uh, Baterbiev knocking Joe Smith out. <laughs> it wasn't a, an interesting fight. Uh, wow. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking outcome. Yeah, there's actually... Joe Smith isn't good. Oh yeah, and Bam versus um, Trisha gets all wrong with his eye. But we already talked about that. So like I say, um, just watch everything Bam did this year. Jesse Rodriguez. Uh, I should note with Jesse Rodriguez, um, he fought his first two fights at Super at, uh, Superfly, but he moved back down to Flyweight, um, which I think was where his third fight was. Um, he didn't really want to do it, but it was on the Canelo undercard. So his coach was like, "You've got to, you've got to fight on the Canelo undercard." Um, but he uh, he moved back down because his brother is Joshua Franco, uh, who is at Superfly, and he's fighting um, Kazuto Yoka on New Year's Eve, so tomorrow, uh, <laughs> in Japan for the titles. And uh, Jesse Rodriguez is basically like, yeah, my big brother's going to win all these titles, and, and it's that division's for him to win, and I'm going to win at Flyweight. Um, and it's like I'm not sure because you know Joshua Franco's okay, but he's not going to beat, you know. Estrada or he might be a Yoka I'm not sure but he's not going to be Estrada or any of those guys so it's a bit of a shame but uh, but flyweight's good as well like if uh, if Rodriguez can fight Sonny Edwards you know that would be a cracking fight so now I'm moving on to July and Opataya versus Breedis which was the the one I mentioned at the start which uh probably the most brutal fight of the year because um, like I say Breedus broke his jaw on both sides like basically his jawbone was hanging off you know held together only by his flesh <laughs> um, and he won he was the winner they beat the absolute fucking shit out of each other uh, and that was one where I uh, I was made to look a bit silly because um, Opataya uh, up until that point he'd never he'd basically fought on the Australian regional scene like literally you know no one of all any world level consequence whatsoever and yeah. um, so I was like you know he just hasn't got the experience to beat Breedis it's going to be it's such a big level jump it's it's because uh, Breedis is like really fucking good yeah, um, you know everyone remembers it. I mean everyone remembers should remember the Usyk fight at least yeah and uh, how yeah. he then went on to just uh, you know on a bit of a tear through the division not exactly like yeah massively dominant but still lots of good performances yeah just just basically yeah, beat everyone and put in front of him. And then Opataya. Opataya's kind of a long uh, rangy fighter, but not like a point fighter. 
So he was basically the first the first half of the fight, Breeders couldn't get his timing and Apatai was just basically it was just a one two, but um fucking constantly. <laughs> you know, constantly in his face with a jab and his one two and his moving in and out. Um and uh, he kind of wrecked uh, Breedis to shit with it a bit, to be honest. And then in the second half of the fight, Breedis started to get inside and start to manhandle him in the clinch and, uh, you know, knocked his jaw off. But just didn't literally quite do enough to... Literally knocked his jaw off its hinges, like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. most literal There's sense like of, a, word, you... of, of the word possible. <laughs> yeah, he posted his x-ray uh, up attire, and it's just literally just snapped. <laughs> Fucking horrible. But... Um, yeah, they're, they're trying to do a post fight interview with him. <laughs> it was basically just off the top going, why? 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 <laughs> so just let him go. Fucking let him get medical yeah. help. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a fun fight. It was It was too. Um, it's not in my fight of the year list because, um, I mean, it'll be in there somewhere, but, um, but um, it was too much a fight of two halves. You know, it was like Apataya was dominant in the first half and then in the second half. Uh, Breedis kind of took over but didn't make the comeback so it didn't have that like ebb and flow that I usually mm. like for my fight of the year but um, but it was a really good fight um, you know definitely worth watching um, yeah weirdly like I'm just looking at my notes now I'm probably forgetting something like if anyone's listening and you're like you've forgotten this really obvious thing um, it's entirely possible I had a weird year and not everything made it into my podcast in my notes so um, I might have forgot something obvious but um, Usyk versus Joshua in August um, yeah we covered that best remembered extensively yeah yeah, we won't talk about it in depth. Just best remembered for Joshua's epic meltdown. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, one of the stories of the year was uh, of the second half of the year was Usyk and Fury um, joining each other. Um, yeah, I really hope that happens. But, uh, at some point, it, mm. it has to happen, or at least like it has to happen if you if, like, you know, there's anything left about fighting to care about. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's a really weird year because the um, you know it was a really good year for boxing. Shit has happened, but there too a lot of people seem sort of get the impression that it was a shit yeah, because year just because just the biggest uh, fights didn't happen. But uh, yeah, because Spence versus uh, Crawford fell apart, yeah. and Usyk versus like Fury. in terms of consistency, it was a very good year. But in terms of like the big fights that everyone talks about, it was kind of kind of, kind yeah. of uh, nodded, not exactly it. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of strange because we had like five. I think there were three or four um, undisputed mm-hmm. fights. So, you know, fighters are fighting each other, just big stars are getting in each other's way. It's a kind of infuriating. But in any case, um, I'm going to move on to September because, we, yeah, we're not going to talk. We talked about uh, Usyk versus Joshua, if you're interested in either of our thoughts on that. There's a whole podcast on it. So, uh, yeah, there's a podcast and there's also alternate commentary up on our Patreon, so check, check that out. Yeah. yeah do do that um, so I'm going to move on to September um, where Juan Francisco Estrada warmed up for um, Chocolatito by fighting a guy called Archie Cortez who uh, basically unknown Mexican and it nearly turned into the curse of the unknown Mexican you know where you pick out a guy from Mexico who has a, a shiny record but no big names and you're supposed to beat him up and uh, and uh, instead he fucks you up because um, Estrada found that fight really hard and again I'm not going to go into super depth uh, about why because I did a whole podcast explaining but um, there were some really neat things because um, the, the, the Estrada's main main problem was he couldn't come in with his head movement weaving head movement because Cortez just had a really nice timing on a little uppercut that um, straightened him up as he came in and I said this in my coverage of the um, Chocolatito fight versus Estrada 
that Estrada almost borrowed that tactic from Cortez and used it on Chocolatito to straighten him up as he came in in the first half of their fight. Um, and, you know, just being straightened up as you approach really fucks up your uh, your whole defence. I mean, so, not just defence, but like so, everything. Because it interrupts yeah. the timing, interrupts the setups that you have for all your punches. Yeah. So, really annoying. Yeah, so basically... Yeah, so basically, you can see you can see the difference between uh, Chocolatito and Estrada and the way they responded because um, Chocolatito did you know the smart thing when they fought later on. Um, he did the smart thing and kind of tried to time Estrada, bait him into the uppercut, and then follow up in behind. Whereas what Estrada did against Cortez was um, take up. Basically, what he did was he take he take up a uh, infighting posture, curl up uh, curl up really tight while still really far out, and then just jump in at him. Like literally just jump mm-hmm. and get inside, shove him backwards and work from there. And it was a fucking ridiculous thing to do. But um, Cortez had no answer. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, what, what are you doing here? Because that's the thing about Strider. He's got all these shiny skills and like really cool, you know, he does all these textbook lovely things. But every so often he just does something really fucking weird. Yeah, you you know, have to reckon. balance out. You have to balance it all out. You have to do something dumb if you're too smart. <laughs> yeah. apparently, it, I mean, it, at least that's what listen, it works think. yeah things it worked <laughs> like it worked in this fight it worked against Rissiketz no it didn't well it kind of did against Rissiketz when he started I mean, uh, the heavy hands guys you know, always talk about this with MMA fighters but it's it's almost like when a thing is working and working consistently the fighters will start going like oh shit this is working too well something's up yeah. <laughs> I need to do something stupid yeah. now <laughs> yeah yeah, but this is the thing with Estrada. He does it, but he like the stupid things yeah. work. Yeah, you know, because he came into this fight, he clearly overlooked Cortez a bit. He's done that a lot, but um, his adjustments, you know, his his adjustments within fights, they're so weird that they shouldn't work, but they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's like uh, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw myself at you, like basically almost rugby tackle you, short shoulder check you, and uh, it works. You know, he um, I don't know if you if you remember the first fight with Trisikas or Rungovsai. Um, if I recall correctly, saw Rungvisai won. Um, uh, yeah, like the twelfth round. Uh, like decisioned uh, Estrada. I think. Yeah, yeah. But um, in the final round, Estrada started doing like these really weird, um, crazy angles, and just he'd kind of lean out and then throw a punch from a really weird, you know, nonsensical angle. And he won the fight. He won the final round, and uh, apparently it freaked out Sir Rungvisai so hard that. Uh, um, um, in the second fight, um, he famously decided to fight orthodox for like eight rounds, even though he can't fight orthodox. <laughs> and he was asked afterwards why, and he thought uh, he said, "Yeah, um, I thought I needed to give Estrada something else to look at. Like I needed to give him a new look." <laughs> and it's like Estrada doing that weird shit in the final round freaked him out so hard <laughs> that it was like in the next fight, it was like I, if he does that again, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go go orthodox, even though I don't yeah, know how. Basically, like so. the smart version of like. Uh... Of the MMA fighter doing something like completely nonsensical, except it works. Yeah. Except it's yeah. actually smart. Yeah, yeah. works. Well, except yeah. Well, and and it made the room of side do something dumb. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah. So Estrada versus Cortez. You know, it ended up being insignificant. And then Archie Cortez uh, fought some. He fought on the Canelo Zerdo fight later on. Um, I think, no, he fought on a Mukia fight uh, card. I didn't see the fight, but I heard it. He looked really shit. So, um, so you know, all my praise of Cortez being a smart fighter who might make himself a star on the back of this. So, nah, <laughs> it didn't happen. Went down but, the drain. 
Yeah, he just had kind of one one good performance, and uh, and you know maybe he will come back and uh, look at himself. But uh, the other thing in September um, was um, my actual fight of the year, um, which was um, Night Flyweight, and it was uh, Shivanathi uh, Nonchinga against um, Hector Flores, um, and it was fucking fantastic. It was. Um, Um, yes, Nonchink is a South African fighter, and he he's a bit really lucky to be in this fight because um, because he'd fought in uh, April the year before and he won a complete robbery. He basically melted under pressure from his opponent, and he'd won a complete robbery. Mm. Um, and Hector Flores was a uh, came into the fight being um, like a really good pressure fighter, like br- with really brutal body shots. Like he beat up Jay Harris in England um, with some really. Uh, fucking horrendous body shots so my thinking coming in was that Nunchinga is not going to like you know he's going to try to fight at range he's not going to be good enough and he's going to fold because he lucky really panicked like um, in his last fight he, he basically lost his call and uh, and uh, freaked out and uh, folded mm. and he won the robbery but um, but it wasn't a good performance and in this in this fight it was some of the best corner work I've seen all year because um, he tried to fight at range initially and it just didn't work like um, Flores is too good at pressure so his corner, you know, it's quite often even in boxing and a lot in MMA, you hear corners go, why aren't you fighting at range? Why are you fighting him inside, right? Um, but um, Flores' corner, um, sorry, Nonchinga's corner was like, okay, we want this to be at range, clearly not working, this is what you've got to do. And like, keep calm, and this is what you've got to do. And they just talked him through it, um, you know, round by round, like um, what you've got to do, little adjustments. And it was constant, it was a constant back and forth of little, like tiny adjustments. But, also constant brutality like you know it's only like flyweight but it was just constant action back and forth little 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 adjustments little changes I mean, the type of viciousness just, you frequently see at the very you know lowest weights because uh, they, they got yeah, exactly. infinite cardio yeah exactly it was infinite cardio and infinite you know just but good technique and uh, they don't hit quite hard enough to knock each oh. other out but the thing is you could see Nonchinga like every so often you could see him being like oh shit I'm, you know I don't want to be here and then he'd get back to the corner and his corner would be like okay chill out you know you, you're doing right you're doing the right thing and just give him the exact right instructions so it was a really good corner performance but yeah it was also just my fight of the year because um, yeah they just didn't stop and it was back and forth and you know yeah yeah you know, like I say, I'm not gonna again, I'm not gonna break the technique down partly because I, you know, I can't remember everything. Also, <laughs> too much shit has but, happened um, in that fight, presumably. Yeah, but um, but I did a podcast on it, so anyone who wants to can look it up. Um, and yeah, was, that's that is going to be my fight of the year. I am going to do an article at some point um, detailing, you know, um, my picks for fight and fighter and all of that shit. Um, uh, but this, you know, I can spoiler spoiler alert. This is my fight of the year, and if you haven't seen it, like just basically everyone who hasn't seen it, make the time to see it because. Um, because it was really fucking good. Uh, yeah. Not too much else to say about it, just, you know, see it. <laughs> uh, that was in September, so uh, we also got Golovkin versus Canero, the third, which we've already talked about a bit. Uh, yeah, we're not going to go into depth on that. Uh, Golovkin looked bad, Canelo looked bad. It was uninspiring and a bit depressing, to be honest. But, uh, yeah. I mean, at least Golovkin yeah, didn't like look completely one hundred percent done and got starched. So there's that. If you're a fan of Golovkin, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was one of the, like the first. What was it? Five or six rounds. I was like, this is. He he did look like that. He looked like he was going to completely, you know, just not 
not getting to the fight yeah. at all. But then uh, Canelo somehow managed to gas against the fighter who wasn't doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how? You know, it's 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 kind of it's almost. Uh, I remember having these criticisms of Canelo back, you know, before like his footworks. Uh, you know, he's got his footwork's always going to be a problem like he's, he's always going to be a bit stumpy and his, his cardio is always going to be an issue like he does fantastically well at managing it but it's always going to be an issue and then I kind of stopped saying that because um, it's, because it's he had these really good performances is, is, is the thing yeah. now it's like yeah. back and forth for whatever reason and this year it really he really got exposed on both those fronts um, you know so uh I mean, normally yeah. I'm usually like all against the the typical myth of uh, lifting weights will make you slow and uh, bad at boxing, mm. but like Canelo does a lot of weight, like um, a lot of power lifting in his training camps, and I wonder if he just fell in love with it too much and so just didn't do enough cardio yeah. for, for, for the fights. Yeah, or if he just forgot because um because he's got so good at cardio management that he's kind of forgotten that he has to do yeah, it and it could also yeah. be a reason yeah because um because he started like he did it um, last year it was a good performance but he fought um Caleb Plant and uh he won by basically um talking into big shots like really putting his effort to big shots but in that fight he had the time to pick when he was going to do it and against uh Bivol and against Golovkin it's like, even though Golovkin wasn't really doing anything, Canelo was still kind of just throwing huge punches at him from the off all the time. He didn't throw any also be smaller just punches. A, a result of his previous successes going to his head, like yeah. he, oh, I knocked out this huge man in, in Kovalev. Oh, I knocked out this guy, bullied that other guy, and uh, forgot that he actually like had very low volume performances against them, as opposed to just yeah. throwing huge shots. So the bullying came yeah. in. in every stage other than the actual punching which is the difference yeah yeah uh, yeah basically I don't know I, he should be good enough to get himself back together yeah. a bit but um, but I think fighters also see now where they have to aim to get him to fall apart so it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here um, yeah, we already talked about Shakur Stevenson which I was gonna, which I've got in my notes uh, I've got Maxi Hughes it's cool there's no you know no big deal there Maxi Hughes is a British fighter who has I enjoy watching him, but just because he is completely unathletic. <laughs> but um, he's he's never going to be world level, I don't think. But he's going to get a world title shot now because he's fought his way there. But um, but he's fought he um, he used to keep losing at British level, um, you know, just at um, at lightweight and at um, at um, whatever. About 130 pounds, and then he moved up to 135. And yeah, he used to keep losing to British level fighters. And then the last few years, he just got himself together and made himself like a really good. Um, like he just does the little things of like fainting his way in and um, keeping himself safe, like with little, just little movements, constant little movements. Um, so that his athleticism doesn't really become you know a huge problem. And he fought Kid Galahad, who is uh, so he is a world champion now. Um, he fought Kid Galahad, who is a world level fighter in theory. You know, um, he's a bit of a, well. He's a massive dickhead, <laughs> <laughs> and he has lost. You know, he um, Galahad lost to Kike Martinez in a big upset because he was he was schooling Kike Martinez like, like late last year, and he got knocked out in a um, basically got got um, got cocky, and uh, Martinez, who's about hundred years old, um, caught him with a big punch, um, um, and then knocked him out in the round later because he hadn't recovered. 
Um, but he's, you know, he's fought Josh Warrington and he's fought a bunch of guys at world level, so he's really good. And uh, Maxi Hughes just kind of stopped all of his like little skills. Like Galahad is kind of like a tricky infighting, you know, shoving about and then like, varying the timing on all of his shots and all that kind of thing. And Maxi Hughes, who never used to do this, this is what I enjoy him. He never used to do this. Just took it away from him with really good movement and. Uh, you know, like I say, he's never going to be an internationally relevant fighter. But um, yeah, he's decent enough. He's think. he's good at the yeah. fundamentals. He uh, compliments yeah. well. He makes up for the lack of athleticism. Decent. Yeah, level. and basically, I I just enjoy p- perhaps because I watched MMA for too long, um, and it doesn't happen in MMA. I just enjoy watching a fighter going. Okay, these are my weaknesses. This is what I do wrong. Yeah, this um, is what so I do. This is really it. what I have to work <laughs> with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's you know I'm not gonna that, 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 that's you know if you, if you enjoy that kind of story, watch a bit of Maxi Hughes. It's not you know it's not super exciting, but uh, but uh, well he's he's fun to watch is what I'm saying here. Um, Shields versus Marshall happened in October. That was supposed to happen in September, but then the Queen died, so, so they moved it. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, that was my um, that, that that irritated me doubly because um, I was meant to. This was what my meant to be, you know. I started writing for uh, the big, uh, started writing for, for Bloody Elbow, doing the boxing coverage, and this was meant to be my first fight for them. And I wrote the preview, and I typed it up, and I sit, hit send, and literally five minutes later, the news was <laughs> it's been postponed. <laughs> so you <laughs> anchors, yeah, absolutely just, uh, just, just to let the uh, the, the royal bootlickers to have the have yeah. the. Moment of silence, I guess, or whatever the fuck it yeah. was supposed to be. Yeah, and it was so silly because the football got postponed and this got postponed and everything else just carried on as normal. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's either everything gets shut down or nothing gets shut down. Like, come on, yeah, some consistency yeah. is nice. Yeah, I mean, there was the football got ridiculous because um, they literally cancelled all the football, <laughs> like every not just not just the Premier League, like literally every game in the country got cancelled, and. um one team, Sunday league team, you know, fucking unprofessional, non-professionals um, <laughs> who were just going for, you know, kick about with their mates, got told they can't play. Um, so one team, um, live streamed on Twitter, they're like, well, our game's been cancelled, but we've turned up for our um, for a training session, impromptu training session on a Sunday morning. And uh, oh, we've accidentally forgotten our training kits, so we're playing in our real kits. Oh, our opponents have turned up. <laughs> And so they played the game, and then they got fucking fined for, for playing a game. So you dickheads. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was. Uh, and the fight happened eventually in October, and this was quite again on the on the women's boxing thing. Um, this was it was pretty cool because it was a card top to bottom women's boxing, and it was pretty good. Like it was, um, you know, I, can't, I, can't, I can now not remember all the fights on it, but Shields versus Marshall was a headliner, and. Um, Michaela Meyer versus Alicia Baumgartner was the um, was the co-main, and both of those are like just really good fights, really well matched. Um, and yeah, uh, the um, Michaela Meyer got really annoyed. Alicia Baumgartner just kind of um, it was a split decision, but I, I can't remember what happened really. But um, it was just a cool. It's just a cool back and forth again. I remember that, um, and it turned out into a split decision. But the main event was Clarissa Shields, um, who Clarissa uh, the quote Shields, yeah, was <laughs> yeah the quote. She's actually this is the thing I have to give her the credit because um, in her early pro career she was shit, mm. 
<laughs> you know, she kind of just uh, bull rushed everything, uh, but like really leaning in face first and bull rushing and all of that stuff. Um, and in this fight, she was fighting Savannah Marshall, who's trained by, um, oh, fuck's sake, who's um, Tyson Fury's uncle, his old coach. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not Peter Fury, that's his dad, uh, the other yeah. one. I know it's Peter Fury, John Fury's his dad, so it's Peter Fury. And so she has that kind of, you know, Tyson Fury uh, start switching and um, and all that kind of thing. And she's quite, she's pretty good, Savannah Marshall. Um, and, you know, in previous fights, her foot worked really, her footwork worked really well um, because, of her, you know, she starts, she starts, which is really quite cleanly most of the time. And, uh, and she knows how to set up her power shots by taking a weird angle and throwing the power shot from there. And, you know, just kind of nice little details. Um, but Clarissa Shields basically took it away from her by just doing the little steps uh-huh. and uh, the thing with Savannah Marshall is she does the stance searching really clean but um, it is like just step from one stance into the other yeah so and so she didn't not actually following up the stance switches but like actual you know effective offense is what you're saying no she no she she had the effective offense but um, but because she's taking a uh, Basically, once she starts start switching, um, she uh, she's uh, it's like a really big move, oh, yeah. and uh, if if Shield sees it coming, she can move a little bit um, and take the sting off the attack. Yeah. And there were moments later, you know, there were moments later on when she started um, when uh, Marshall started doing like quite clever things. I I, I compared her to um, what Anthony Joshua should have been doing, which is you know uh, <laughs> maybe a bit of a um, Indictment on Anthony Joshua that I'm com- um, uh, comparing her losing women's boxer, and, <laughs> you know, say, saying he should be watching. He should have been watching this fight and seeing what he could have been doing because basically she started. She did start trying to do the little things like, um, you know, um, Shields would uh, step would try to step around her and she'd just kind of stick her arm in the way and stop Shields yeah. moving and then make her own little little circular step. Like he, she'd start doing that, but she was having to invent it on the fly. She didn't have it in her tool bag already so it didn't you know it wasn't enough to give give her the win um but yeah she was just looked much cleaner than i've ever seen her and not really knew how to outbox and uh you know get in and out with little the flashy combinations and uh it, it is uh it's a fight you know it's a fight it's a good fight to watch for itself but um if you want hints about how Usyk would beat um tyson fury there's clues in that because Shields doesn't fight like Usyk, obviously but um but Fury does that similar thing to Shields, where his start switches really smoothly, but it is big step. You know, um, he doesn't have the little subtle steps in between so much, which doesn't normally matter at heavyweight because because um, neither does anyone else. But uh, Usyk does a little bit, and you could see him taking advantage in a sort of a similar way. If you you know, just little, the little steps that take him a little bit further than Fury would be would be expecting yeah. him. Uh, but just in general, yeah, um, Shields versus Marshall. It's a good, it's a fight worth watching. But if so, you like, so you know, this is the prediction. Like uh, the Lukash uses uh, women's boxing fights to predict Usyk versus Fury. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> co- co- caught on film. And I, I bet you weren't expecting that, lads. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, this is the thing with like, the thing with women's boxing is um, it's kind of similar to women's MMA. Uh, the depth isn't there, isn't there so much, but um, possibly more than women's MMA at this point. Just when the two, when the best fighters fight each other, it's just generally just pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, even though you get frustrated because it's only two minute rounds and 10, 10 rounds for championship fights. Why is it that but, um, boxing has 
like uh, the rounds that's I mean shorter rounds than MMA does MMA just does yeah, because, rounds like what's yeah because it's uh, I don't know sexism oh, sexism basically yeah so basically women aren't strong enough it's like for fuck's sake yeah. <laughs> you're talking about they're fighting each other it's fine um, and yeah it's frustrating for a few fighters because like Amanda Serrano um, in the fight we talked about earlier um, when she was fighting Katie Taylor she could have had a lot more success if she could have pushed the volume for another minute in each round um, uh, no, she had a bit more power than Taylor but every time she got Taylor a little bit maybe buzzed like she never seriously hurt her but she never got the chance to follow up yeah. because the, the you know the bell would ring so so it's that kind yeah, of thing it's really annoying in any case yeah but in any case, um, yeah, I've been covering women's boxing quite a lot, like my, a few of my previews and reviews, and, you know, I can talk shit about it, you can talk shit about it, but I have been quite, like, it's made it such a huge step from where it was. Um, it's, you know, every so often, you know, quite a lot, quite often you do get a fight where you're like, okay, um, this established champion of five years is fighting some random nobody, um, and they're going to fuck him up, and obviously that's what happens, but other times, they're having some genuinely good fights, so... So, I mean that's all we can ask for, just yeah. gradual improvement. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. as long as it's uh, getting better, it's fine. I'm fine with it. Exactly. Um, and then we move on to November. And November threw up a bit of a turn up for the books because Lomachenko fought Jermaine Ortiz. And that was a good fight, and it was a surprising one because Jermaine Ortiz really turned up with a brilliant game plan um, and made it really hard for Lomachenko. And it was a really good fight, and I haven't seen it, you should. But um it happened on the same week as uh, Kenshiro Taraji versus Hiroto Kiyoguchi, um, which is like a big Japanese fight on a Tuesday morning, which I wasn't expecting to be able to watch, but then I uh, got sick, so I did. And then I, uh, it was such a good performance by Kenshiro, um, because he got, you know, he has to call himself Kenshiro because everyone likes, uh, is it One Punch Man? No, no, no. <laughs> that's, yeah. no, that's, that's uh, Fist, fuck Fist of the North Star. Fist of the North Star, yeah, thank you. I am, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm half a nerd, apparently. We breathe One Punch Man is completely different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mixed up my animes. Anyway, um, yeah, Kenshiro, he was, his performance was so good and just so, it was so fucking cool that I went, okay, Lomachenko, you can wait. I'm talking about Kenshiro first. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we yeah, basically going in, in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, um, going in, um, Kiyoguchi, it was 50 50 for me. And like, Kiyoguchi's like a well rounded, he's an uh, in uh, combination in fighter, pressure fighter, you know, comes behind his jab, throws pretty classic, you know, combination pressure fighter. And Kenshiro's kind of, he's got a really good jab, and he's, he's a similar sort of fighter, um, and he's a bit more athletic. But my impression was. Um, he makes more mistakes coming into the fight and he'd actually lost the fight uh, at the end of the year before he'd lost a complete shocker like he'd um, he'd got himself into a completely needless war with uh, with um, with a guy that shouldn't you know it was one it was a, it was a uh, tune-up fight um, and uh, and he lost and then he fought him again and he beat him but he didn't look like so uh, uh, like you know super special in it to me so I was like okay you know, it's gonna it's a fifty fifty fight, and I might lean towards um, towards uh, Kiguchi. Oh. And Kenshiro came in, and he was so good. His footwork was so good. His jab, like he, his jab, was as good as I've seen it. And um, and he already had one of the best jabs in boxing. So um, so he had that. So it, just from there, um, 
Kikuchi couldn't close distance on him. And then the footwork, which he hadn't shown before, like just con- constant circling, like little circular movement, and then stepping off to the side and throwing a punch from there. And, uh, you know, any weaknesses he might still have in his guard and his defence in close just didn't, didn't come into play because, you know, Kikuchi could do absolutely nothing with him. Um, yeah, so it was a, it was a, it was a kind of performance that makes me consider putting Kenshiro on my path of power list because it was just so, you know, complete level schooling of what should have been like, you know, two world level fighters fighting each other on equal grounds. Mm. So yeah, if you haven't Basically, seen it, like definitely rising recommend. to the occasion, bring the best, bring the best to, yeah. to the, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and basically, um, a guy, again, of a guy, you know, taking a loss on board and thinking, okay, I can't fight quite like this, because he really did change his game quite a lot. Like, um, it was almost, um, it was an, he was, he's, he'd previously been kind of a pressure fighter, you know, hands up, get inside, work the body and the head. And in this one, he was almost had his hands down, but, um, but keeping the distance so much and he was using he's keeping his hands down to disguise where his punches were coming from um, he's basically turned, changed himself with a different sort of fighter which is much more in keeping with the skill with the talents that he's got mm. and just you know it's just really good to see to be honest um, yeah. yeah if you haven't seen it see it um, and listen to my podcast on it <laughs> uh, and yeah Lomachenko versus Jermaine Ortiz it was also a really cool fight because uh, uh yeah, Ortiz was an unknown fighter. He'd fought, um, I think he'd fought Isaac. He'd fought someone before. Um, doesn't doesn't have a okay. Wikipedia page for for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of fighter. He'd fought, um, yeah, he fought Jamel Herring and he won that fight. So, so that's a decent win. But you know, it's nothing to think he's going to trouble Lomachenko. And in the end, you know, Lomachenko won fairly clear, but. Um, but Ortiz just had a really good game plan, um, and he he was really ready to circle with Lomachenko, which you know Lomachenko doesn't love when you do yeah, that. Yeah, that's to him. The, the typical uh, you know yeah. smart thing that you should do against Lomachenko, which is uh, like the, the, there was this. Yeah, I mean, it's really there's a really funny clip of Lomachenko at a seminar with uh, at a boxing club with the youths, yeah. and yeah. one of the uh, one of the teenagers there just uh, when Lomachenko pivots, he pivots with him, and Lomachenko goes, yeah. "Ah, you." You, you little <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's basically what's happening here like um yeah he just pivot with Lomachenko as Lomachenko tried to circle around him and uh, and he you know he did in the end he didn't have enough of a bag of skills and I think he also lost a bit of a bit of a cardio as the fight went on he couldn't keep up but it was just you know he came with the right game plan and it wasn't quite good enough but um but it was a really good fight nonetheless um yeah then we've got Cabello as a Rodriguez we already talked mm-hmm. about. Um, so I'm going to move on to Sonny Edwards, um, who you may have noticed on Twitter if you uh, if you pay attention to Twitter at all. He's uh, the mouthiest fighter on Twitter you will ever see. <laughs> <laughs> and he can be irritating because he's um, sometimes he's, he's quite smart, but he's you know he's one of those guys who's uh, who's always right even when he's you know so he's become he he was a bit of an anti factor at one stage. Um, because um, because he's so used to telling people, you know, being the things he's told being wrong, that uh, when he's being told that vaccines are good, he's like, no, that can't be right, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and he's also just a, you know, just a complete. He's, he's constantly getting into slanging matches with fans on Twitter, um, but when he gets in the ring, he's like, 
he's just really fucking good um, he's another guy who doesn't look like a fighter um, you might have seen the photos of him yeah, a few years back he fought like in pigtails just the yeah. lad he fought in pigtails once um, he, he, he lost a bet and fought, fought a fight in pigtails um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah he's just um, he's like kind of really un- well, he's British in the sense that he's got no power um, but uh, but in everything else he's just a really un-British boxer because he's just really uh, you know the, the sort of the British boxer stereotype is that they kind of they kind of fight clean but they fight kind of one way stiff um, you know Anthony, stiff, uh, yeah the Anthony no Joshua variation. thing and, yeah exactly and Sonny Edwards is um, you know he fights uh, he's not clean at all his, his form is a uh, you know, technical form in kind of like a miniature Tyson Fury um, in this, in that sense. All where, over the place, but still works. Yeah, exactly. And he's an outboxer, but he's a volume outboxer. Um, so he, you know, he'd never throw one jab, and three jabs will do. Like uh, constantly moving. Um, and uh, but this year he decided he's also going to be an in fighter. So he fought two fights this year against um, Mohamed Rasim in April, and then a, a pretty good fight against Felix Alvarado um, in a. In November, and Felix Alvarado, if you've not seen him before, he was at um, the the division below flyweight. I fucking get the names confused when I'm looking on box rec, and it's just uh, <laughs> just the thing. But anyway, case he stepped up to fight. So he's been the champion at, um, at the division below, and he stepped up. And Alvarado is basically insane. He um, he just marches forward, throwing punches, uh, you know, incessantly, like um, you know, 150 punches around type fighter. Uh, so um, Sonny Edwards could have been wise to um, to fight him on the outside, which is what he normally does. But instead, he spent quite a lot of the fight in close, um, fighting in the pocket. And it was just like some people gave it. The judges gave it pretty a lot closer than it was. And I, I can't blame them. This is one where I can't blame the judges because if you're sitting behind Sonny Edwards, you can't see. You know, you think those punches are landing, but really he's catching. He caught almost everything on gloves and. Uh, and um, and arms and you know active guard inside and then countering with little slick little uppercuts and it's just it's just a really good fighter he's just turned into he's probably the most skilled British fighter now I would say you know despite being a complete wally <laughs> yeah and he's um he's coached by Grant Smith who's um just an up and coming British coach who's got a, bu- a bunch of guys on his in his stable um and yeah he's become the fighter that no one wants to fight fight because he's a uh, He's a really good boxer, but uh, he made some bad business decisions and he signed with Pro Benham. Yeah. So he can't go to the US as far as we know. And uh, <laughs> you know, he's got no money in his pocket. So so he's trying to get fights. But, uh, yeah, he, he wanted to fight um, Julio Cesar Martinez because, um, because Martinez beat his brother uh, a few years ago, Charlie Edwards. Mm. Um, well, he beat him up, and then he got disqualified for um, for knocking him. Basically, Charlie Edwards took a knee, and uh, ah. and Martinez looked at him and went "fuck you" and smacked him right the head. Oh no, sorry, it was a body shot. It was a body shot, but still, um, yeah. So he got uh, that turned into a no contest, and then there was this big story for years about Sonny Edwards fighting him for revenge. And you know, when it first got talked about, it was like, "Oh, Sonny Edwards is going to get flattened." You know, Martinez is too powerful, too fast. But now, when people talk about it, it's like, I'm so glad that didn't happen because um, Edwards would just score with him, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just a really good fighter. Like, he's not gonna get into wars, but um, but if you like your, you know, deep skill sets, um, yeah, Sonny Edwards is definitely one to be watching. 
Yeah, then he can irritate people on Twitter by talking about how good he is because everyone hates him. So, so yeah. Um, where are we in? Where are we now? Progress versus. Did you see Reggie Progo versus the Pader? I assume not. Uh, no. Because uh, that was a uh, that was nice to see. Because I assume you remember. I, I think you watched Progo versus Taylor. I probably did. Like five years yeah. ago. Yeah. And that was the last thing of any relevance that Progo did. <laughs> he had the most stupid career decisions. Um, he's. I think he fought once a year since then. And uh, you know, of no one, no one of any relevance at all. Uh, you know, he's yeah, he fought uh, three times in four, three times in three years, and uh, yeah, they were all complete knockovers. And um, he came into the Zapeda fight, and Zapeda's pretty good. You know, he's he's a sort of bit straight lined, but like really clean puncher, really good at drawing. He keeps getting knockouts by drawing fighters on, um, and um. And catching them as they come in, he thought. I don't know if you remember in twenty twenty, he fought Ivan Balanchuk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, with a fight with uh, seven knockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> seven knockdowns in five rounds. Completely ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, so so he came into the site. You know, I, my thinking was that if Progre is at his best, he should beat Zapeda, but um, but he hasn't fought anyone for for four years. Uh, I'm not sure he'll be, he'll be at his best, but he turned out to be very at his best and uh, just completely scores a Pader. And a really cool performance. The thing about Progre is he doesn't fight like anyone else. Uh, there's no similar fighters. Uh, he's uh, if he he can out box on the outside, but where he's really good is um, closing distance and getting in really close and being really stupidly aggressive, <laughs> but keeping himself safe. Um, it's the thing I talk about with him is he can his foot. He's got this. His footwork is so good that he can lean out to really crazy angles when normally anyone else would be off balance and have no power. Um, and he can still generate power. Like, you know, he'll be leaning completely over his left foot, like completely out, out of shape. And firstly, his opponent can't catch him. And secondly, his opponent, uh, yeah, he can't uh, defend the no shot. No one punches from those angles, so like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And so my... Basically, my, I felt a bit smug about this one because my, my prediction, you know, I said if progress isn't at his best, it'll be trouble. But if he is at his best, um, the thing with Zepeda is um, he's one of those fighters you see sometimes where um, they have more trouble with really crude fighters mm. than they do with um, with like people who work their way in. Because, like, that was the thing with Balantric. Like, he's clearly a much better boxer than Balantric, but Balantric would just throw these ridiculous, stupid hooks. <laughs> and uh, Zepeda, Zepeda couldn't get back out of the way in time. And he got knocked down a few times because of it, and then he knocked out Balanchuk for the same reason. But my my thought was, Progre can sort of recreate the same effect, but do it without exposing himself. You know, mm. pretend to be crude but actually be really skilled, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. It was just a um, Progre constantly fooling Zapeda into thinking he's gonna jump in, and then doing it like a second later, and uh, yeah. It's just a, it's, it's a really cool performance. There was a few fights this year which, um, you know, they weren't good fights because they were too one-sided, but the performance was just really fucking cool. You know, if you're a boxing fan. I mean, that's kind of and this was one of them. similar to how a lot of people talk about what's going to be the fight of the year for 
for for MMA this year, but uh, you can't say yeah. Max Holloway versus Volkanovski because it's just Volkanovski beats the other loving shit out of Max Holloway. It's still like fucking yeah, exactly. insane. Yeah. yeah, performance of the yeah. year, sure, but um, not fight of the year. Yeah, that was kind of this kind of thing. Um, I mean, yeah, my performance of the year is kind of. I mean, I kind of have to give it to Bivol, don't I? For his performance yeah, I mean, Canelo, just but, the, um, the level of the position, and yeah, the, the level at which but, the fight was held, and just the general yeah, level of yeah, skill exactly. that they brought to the table. Yeah, but my, but but Kenshiro versus Kiyoguchi was, you know, that was so cool. With that, um, I'm tempted. I'm not going to, but I'm so tempted to give that. It's like a the program personal as well. pick, but the official pick is different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm good. when I write my article, I'm definitely gonna, you know, I'm gonna have to mention Kikuchi. Yeah. But you know, Bivol has to be the fighter of the year and the uh, and the um, performance of the year. It's too significant not to be. In any case, uh, yeah. So Chocolatito, the, the final thing to talk about is Estrada versus Chocolatito the third. And again, that's not um, not uh, we're not going to go in depth because. Uh, it's been done, and it was not three weeks ago. So, did we talk about uh, Teofimo Lopez versus Sandro Martin? Uh, he had... No, we didn't. See, I told you I'd forget. Yeah, something. there uh, we go. Yeah. Happened yeah. in December. And I covered that fight. So, yeah, um, yeah. Poor Teofimo Lopez. I mean, he won. He won, but, but he, he didn't. Like, at what cost? <laughs> yeah, and um, <laughs> he didn't win. It was a, it was the, a the regular. I mean, it was one of those victory, like uh, a hit to a reputation, also humiliated. Yeah. Uh, it's like, just, uh, the thing is, justified with, with all the media bullshit. Yeah, yeah. and the thing is, is um, even before the fight, it was like not you normally don't talk about um, about um, mental state, and you know you can read too much into that how angry a fighter gets or how annoyed he looked in the yeah, way. You can't exactly get kind of into thing. someone's head to exactly yeah. know what they're thinking. You just can Yeah, but with yeah. Yeah, but with Progre, it's like it's happened before, and it's such a big part of how he is that, like I said, you know, he's going to get frustrated. Um, Martin's going to drop it, uh, going to catch him with check hooks. He's going to jab him a lot, and he's going to catch him with check hooks, and then he's going to, um, then he's going to uh, get really angry, and that's going to come to the fight, and that's exactly what happened. Mm. Like, it's just Lopez uh, got really fumingly angry, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just a bit embarrassing. Yeah, and then he had a. Uh, he apparently got broken up with live, live in front of the t- in the world on TV cameras. Um, you know, again, I can't speak for all how his relationship is, but uh, but he was literally talking on the mic about how him and his girlfriend or his wife had gone through tough times, and as he was doing that, his wife was blanking him. <laughs> <laughs> so she refused to hand up the child um, into the ring, and then afterwards there was like some awkward situations as well in the back. So. I mean, I talked about this, I think, on the podcast at the time. It's like, at this point, it was so bad that my concern isn't can Teofimo Lopez um, get it together as a boxer. It's can Teofimo Lopez find a happy place in life? Right. <laughs> he looked he looked absolutely miserable. It's just... It's just, uh, yeah, just a and yeah, sad Martin, state, state of affairs. Nothing's yeah. all right. And, Exactly, and like Sander Martin is, you know, he's fine. He's a good, he's he's slick, and uh, and all of that. But uh, yeah, was that because I'm confusing Sander Martin now with um, there was another fight the week before. Well, I can't remember who it was, but it was pretty much exactly the same, a Spanish guy. So it must have been Cor, um, 
I'm just going to check on Vox for the, the ratings in Spain and see if I can remember who I'm talking about. But it was basically the exact same thing. It was an outboxing Spaniard um, fighting uh, fighting someone charging at him. And uh, and it turned into a bit of a one-sided boring fight. Um, but in one of them, the fighter broke his hand. Um, the Spanish fighter broke his hand and fought with one hand for uh, for eight rounds. Um, but Sancho Garcia... Yeah, Sergio Garcia was fighting. Uh... No, that can't be it. For fuck's sake, what am I talking about? <laughs> this, is, this is so unprofessional. This, this, is, this is going uh, somewhere, I promise. Yeah, I think I might have to say. Uh, um, I can't. Oh, yes, there we go. Samuel Carmona. Um, yeah, Samuel Carmona fought, was fighting. It was fighting who looks as Martinez, who I've been denigrating. Um, and yeah, Martinez um, was the aggressive guy. Like, it was basically identical. Martinez was getting really frustrated and couldn't close distance, and Carmona was uh, sliding back and popping him and uh, and making him look a bit silly. But Carmona broke his hand, and uh, so uh, he was fighting with one hand for most of it. So he gave you you could see giving it to Martinez, which he won in the end on a on a decision on a split decision. <clears throat> but um, the commentators were being really stupid with Cordina because they were like, "Oh, why isn't he punching?" It's because he can't fucking punch because he's broken his hand. But anyway, but it was two. It's basically two subs, two consecutive weeks where uh, really aggressive. Um, well, um, so Martinez is Mexican and Lopez is obviously Spanish speaking. Um, Just say Spanish speaking. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. Leave it there, against yeah. yeah, let's leave it there. And um, Carmona is Carmona and. Uh, Martin are actual Spaniards. <laughs> so basically identical fights, except one of them broke his hand and one of them didn't. Uh, and yeah. <clears throat> yeah it, it, it was weird. And yeah, two, two guys got humiliated and no one wants to see see them. I don't know. Does, you know I, want to see Lope, I want to see Lopez be as good as he can be, but he's not going to be when he stays with his dad. Yeah. I mean, just, it's just, uh, just a really sad case of a typical boxing dad. You know, one of the worst in recent memory. Yeah. Just constantly yeah, exactly. holding the there's attention. A, yeah, but this is the thing because people compare um, Lopez's dad with um, Danny Garcia's dad. Mm. But the thing with Garcia, I'm um, firstly um, Danny Garcia likes his dad. He likes his dad, but, um, but the thing with uh, Angel Garcia is he takes the spotlight away from Danny Garcia. So Danny Garcia kind of just gets on with it behind the scenes, whereas um, Lopez's dad is just. Um, Throwing, you know, he's hogging the attention, but then putting shitloads of pressure on Lopez and not helping him. So he's kind of cracking under the pressure. So, you know, Garcia's a bad boxing dad in, in terms of being embarrassing and all of that. <coughs> but he's doing, you know, he's got Danny Garcia to, to good places. And that's not the case here. It's just sad. So, yeah, let's let's finish on that happy note. Um, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> There's a few loose bits that I want to talk about, um, which is a uh, well. The we talked about we touched on it briefly, but the frustrations with Terence Crawford um, not fighting Errol Spence and you know all that bullshit, and who's to blame? Because they agreed to fight, they had a fight set, and then uh, Crawford um, kind of well, it wasn't signed, but Crawford kind of pulled out pretty late, and there's all this back and forth over who's at fault because. Um, Crawford claims that he was offered no guarantee. He was offered only a percentage of the um, of the takings, but he wasn't offered any guarantee, and he wasn't offered uh, the a look at the books. Mm. So basically, he was having to take on trust. 
that they weren't cooking the books. And so he said no. And, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's his fault or it's someone else's fault. He thinks too much of himself. And, yeah. I mean, come on. If, if yeah. that was the case, like, you'd have to be really, yeah. really dumb to agree to that kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing. Crawford probably does think, well, I mean, he thinks too much of himself, but people keep giving him the money. So, so I mean, you know, and they lose money well, on him. Well, first of all, he does think highly of himself, but also he's one of the one of the best talents that we have in boxing today. So, anyway. Yeah. I mean, his career has been so disappointing yeah. since just, he moved up to the worst way. Uh, but... not fighting to the level, at the level he should be fighting at and just not getting yeah. the opponents. Yeah. And people, you know, people are telling me, "Oh, Afanasian's a good opponent for him." It's like, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's a good fighter, Afanasian, but he's never been in with anyone like Crawford, and it went exactly like how I thought it was going to. You know, Crawford always takes a little while to get going, um, and then he always knocks his opponent yeah. out. So, yeah, he's probably the best finisher in the sport. But uh, he's really controlled yeah. finisher. is how I would put it, in the sense that he's yeah, exactly. He's, he's always like. It's always the shot that makes sense. It's always the shot that has been set up like way yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he's one of the rare fighters who will quite happily, he'll pretend to be bad in order to coach his opponent into doing making mm-hmm. mistakes, which you don't really see very often. Like, um, you know, he'll make deliberate, like um, the couple of, there's been a couple of fights, I can't remember which one's off the top of my head, well, but he'll pull it. his Porter, he's given him quite a lot to work with. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I guess basically like almost against every opponent he did that yeah and like sometimes he'll actually he'll just pull his punches yeah. like he would just won't I mean this is not that uncommon but um, the way he the, how controlled he is with it he'll spend four rounds not hitting his opponent as hard as he can um, so that they think they can take it and then he'll hit them as hard as he can and they fall over because they're not the big ready. difference is not that, that <laughs> he just throws throwaway shots like he uh, yeah. he just he does look like he's hitting the opponent hard it's just that's not as hard as he could hit them hit them and yeah. when he actually like you know puts his weight on it so it's always like something horrendous yeah <laughs> lights out yeah no he's really I, I so hope he fights Spence because like he's better than Spence technically like there's I, I think there's no real argument he's a, he's a better technical fighter than Spence but Spence is just about is just good enough and just big enough that it's compelling yeah. It's it's very yeah. compelling, but it's just one of those cursed it's fights. It's also yeah, a little bit past its sell by date by now, but you know what can you do? Anyway, the other thing I kind of wanted to wind up the the, the conversation by highlighting a couple of just uh, I sprinkled some in throughout, but um, a couple of fighters I thought were cool throughout the year. There's a bit of a British slant to this uh, because you know that's that's where I am. You know, technically I'm in Germany, but you know what I mean. Um, but um, there's, the, the first one was a couple of there's a there's a few young fighters coming through, uh, making real um, starting to make waves a bit, um, and they're sort of before the level where anyone but like real hardcore boxing heads would have noticed. Um, so you know, you know, you know about Keishawn Davis and all of that kind of thing. Um, I assume you've. Heard, I mean, I've heard of least, them, uh, so that means that yeah. up and coming and. Yeah, the Keishawn Davis is a silver medalist at the Olympics. Um, he must be fur- infuriated because he kept losing. He's a brilliant amateur, and he kept losing to um, Andy Cruz. Yeah. So he turned pro, and he's thinking, "Okay, I'm not going to have to see Andy Cruz again. He's Cuban. He's not allowed to turn pro." And then Andy Cruz is coming up in way. <laughs> defect. Yeah, defect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so um, so Keishawn Davis is doing well, um, and he fought on a few cards. Um, 
there were a couple of cards basically where um, I think it's Showtime um, where they just put all of their promising fighters on one card um, so uh, one I wanted to kind of highlight was a guy called um, Tiger Johnson um, his name's not really Tiger um, he's, uh, his name is uh, um, Delonte I think um, if you give me a second I will load up the event and then I can tell you um, yeah Delonte Johnson and he's like not as hyped as a uh, as some of the others um, and if you look at his boxwork photo he's got a pink headband and just looks really very 80s but um, but he's really cool because he's um, he's, a, he's a volume out boxer which is you know I enjoy that kind of fighter you know I like my strider and that kind of thing but he just fights he's got this really clean way of punching as he as he moves out and you know he's still on the he's completely on the prospect level I have no idea if he's really going to be world level but um but he's a guy I kind of highlight to, to you know to you and the listeners uh, just to watch out for you know if you see his name on a card list um, you know if, you, if you're going to be there 20 minutes earlier to watch him fight it's worth 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 uh, worth checking out you know see some of his fights on YouTube um, then you had an English fighter that I am possibly for way too early on the hype but hype train for but um, Skyer on the hype train for him too so <laughs> so um, there's an Adam Azim uh, who they're so hyped for him that they had him fight on a Sunday um, as a headliner after in between the World Cup games a few weeks ago. So they're clearly going like, okay, he's he's going to be yeah, something quite special. They're putting quite yeah. a bit of stock uh, on that yeah. guy's you know growth. Yeah, and um, what he is is um, he's. Um, what division he's fighting? Super lightweight, so he's fighting at 140 pounds. So it's quite busy. You know, there's a lot going on for him there, and he's a uh, really fucking fast and really powerful. Um, and so it's kind of hard. He he keeps knocking opponents out like, in the first, uh, you know, in the first two rounds. Um, but what I like about him is he's got this athleticism, and he's kind. Of, you can see, clearly see um, he's clearly inspired a bit by Nazim Hamid. Uh, and you know he is. You can see he's. Um, I think he's Pakistani, um, and you know he's definitely South Asian, um, and he's coming. You know, coming from uh, from that that community. Um, you know, Nassim Hamid was a big big inspiration, and Amir Khan is a big inspiration to him as well. But um, but he doesn't fight like Amir Khan because <laughs> um, he's not an idiot. <laughs> no, because he's a he's really powerful, and he fights like he kind of sets up one punch at a time, but uh, but he's clever with it. But what I like about him as well is um, even when he's fighting no hopers that he should be beating, because this is what you do in Britain at this stage, um, he's, um, you can see the defensive moves that he's already making. And you can see he's doing things cleverer to set his punches up than he really, really needs to be doing. Now, he throws really weird shots, like really wild uppercuts, um, you know, step, step around uppercuts um, and things like that. But, um, but he sets them up properly, even though he probably doesn't have to. And that just kind of makes me think, okay, he's got something there. You know, he's um, he's cool. Um, he's got uh, he's got a boxing brain as well as just being you know really athletic and knowing how to punch. And so I'm kind of, you know kind of interested to see. And he's already yeah he's already been talked about as a world level fighter, even though he's clearly not yet. But <laughs> but um, but um, but I do think the level he's at, like the guy he fought last time, um, Ryan Charlton. He was out of his league, but he has fought British-level fighters and been competitive. 
and uh, and he got completely blown out by Adam Azim. So I think Adam Azim needs to move on to British level, which um, which would be pretty early for for a, you know for a big jump for a guy where he is. But you know, basically, he's a guy to watch out for if you like uh, if you like your exciting fighters. Um, the other guy I want to talk about, uh, the two guys I want to talk about, also British, uh, one I think you would enjoy um, is Dan Aziz, um, who I've mentioned on Twitter a few times. He's 31, so he's not prospect, but he's kind of broken through this year. Um, he's one of those guys, you know, you, you, sometimes despite all the blanket coverage of everything, um, you still get guys who just didn't get their shot, right? You, you know, they, they have the talent, but they didn't get the chance to prove it. And Dan Aziz has been that guy. And then at the end of the last year, he um, he got called in to fight um, Jose Burton, who is uh, Tyson Fury's other cousin. Because um, apparently beating up Tyson Fury's cousins is a way to... Uh, <laughs> it's just the dumb yeah. thing these days, apparently. Yeah, so so he beat him up. And then this year he's fought him three times. Um, and he's won the British uh, British light heavyweight title. Um, he beat up Reed Cartwright, who you won't have heard of, Jack and Peters, who, you know, and then he's beat up Rocky Fielding, who you may remember because he uh, he's fought at world level um, quite a few times. And he's just the thing with Aziz is he's a pressure fighter who does just really cool shit on the inside. Like um, at one point in against Jack and Peters, he was doing cross arm guard to um, to stop an uppercut. Like he was just bringing his hands across, mm. and uh, Peters was trying to uppercut him, and he was just hitting the you know the cross of his arms. <laughs> Just little details like that. Like he, he clearly studies the old school, you know, the really old fighters. And you know, he's not he's not gonna be elite world level power for pound. He's it's too just old for that. Interesting. He's one of those Yeah, but he's he's thirty three years old and he's just kind of he's fun to watch and he's one of those fighters he cranks the pressure slowly. Like all of his opponents have sort of been competitive early and then fallen apart as the fight goes on because they just can't handle the the constant pressure and the constant uh, changes. Yeah, just a really fun fight to watch. Um, yeah, I'd just basically pick out one of his fights and give it a watch when, if you have a moment, you know, if you ever have a moment, and uh, yeah, you'll you, you'll enjoy it. Um, and yeah, the last guy, the last guy I'm going to mention, just yeah, just to round it off on a weird note, is a uh, Fabio Wardley, um, because he's a British heavyweight. Um, he's now the British heavyweight champion, and he's a guy who got discovered by Dinian White. Yeah. So basically, what happened is he was a white white collar fighter, um, which uh, I don't know if that's known. Is that a thing internationally? Uh, white collar boxing. This is where businessmen uh, pay to fight professional fights, not semi professional, not officially, but um, with professional rules for like three rounds. And uh, Fabio Wardley did this now three times, and he decided, okay, I like this more than being a businessman, so I'm going to be a boxer now. <laughs> And uh, and uh, you know he turned he turned pro and he's quite flashy and um, he's really athletic and really fast, but he doesn't look you know he does he makes all the errors you could expect from someone who turned you know he started boxing at twenty three, you know his chin's in the air and all of that, and every every fight he's had, he comes in and he looks really ropey and then his opponent hits him on the chin and he goes okay fuck you <laughs> and he just knocks him out, <laughs> so. So um, he thought he was fighting um, um, Nathan Gorman, who's proven, you know, not he's proven not to be world level, uh, but he's he's 
he had a good amateur career and he fought Daniel Dubois and got knocked out. But other than that, he he's good, you know, decent boxer. But he fought Fabio Wardley in the first round. He's, you know, boxing the skin off him. <laughs> then he uh, he wobbles him really badly. And yeah, Fabio Wardley does. Yeah, he goes, yeah, fuck you. And uh, hits him really hard. And uh, Gorman just folded under the pressure. And now you've got a guy who turned boxy. He turned pro at, I think it was 23. No, uh, he started boxing, I think, at 23. And he's now uh, 28. So, uh, and he's a British champion. <laughs> he's going to be in the, you know, potentially in the ring with, uh, with um, you know, Joe Joyce or uh, Daniel Dubois. <laughs> uh, so that's like, um, yeah, heavyweight boxing is just so fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, bo- boxing is like hard to call for at the best of times. And uh, like, yeah boxing at least is some, somewhat more consistent than MMA because there's just fewer yeah. things you have to account for but still it follows the same mold yeah exactly this is the thing with uh, Wardy and uh, Wardy and um, Gorman is that Gorman doesn't like getting hit in the face and Wardy apparently quite enjoys this <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just, you know it's a, it's a good it's a good trait to have being uh, being a boxer just like Waking up every time I mean, you get yeah, in the face. Having that spite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In any case, that's that seems to be my roundup for the year. Um, I don't know. Have you got any? Have I missed anything other really obvious? Um, uh, I'm, did you I'm want to talk sure. about anything? I mean, like, uh, if 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 my entire purpose for this one was to just remind you of the really really casual fights that everyone knows of, I think we just hadn't mentioned them all. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know. I. Th- I think I covered everything. If I. If I forgot anything really obvious, I apologize. But I think I. Co- I think I covered a good mix of the obvious stuff and. Uh, and some little. You know. As long as I get you to watch um, Non Shingo as a Sector Flores, I think I've done my job. <laughs> you may have. <laughs> that, sold, that was the, uh, you may have sold me on a bunch of those yeah, performances and yeah. fights. So like my, yeah. my my mission as a soundboard has been fulfilled. Like just, <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> very interesting yeah. experience to just sit through a podcast and just not talk. <laughs> just yeah. re- re- really like just Me. breaking the mold here. Yeah, what you you not speaking? Conor Conor Rubish, he's not going to listen to this because I don't think he listens to my podcast. But if he did, he's going to be sitting there going, "What happened?" <laughs> yeah. Any case, yeah. Well, I hope I hope you do enjoy any of the fights you decide to catch up on. And uh, thank you for the recommendations. Yeah, um, yeah um, thank you for joining me. Um, anything we need to say before we close? Before I do the wrap up? Uh, uh, not really. I mean, we have like a bunch of announcements uh, in store. Like uh, we, soon we're going to start launching the uh, we're going to launch the commissions uh, uh, thing that's uh, on Kofi because uh, I just figured like. With the way we get requests, we get tons of requests to make an article, to make a, to record a podcast, to record an alternate commentary, yada yada yada. It, it it would make sense to you know have some kind of like monetary motivation to actually do so because yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's fair. So we're going to be launching a commission thing. Look out for yeah. that. Um, yeah, uh, I think you're still. This is uh, still raising money. Yeah, right? I'm still so, raising money. Might we're as well take currently, the... like in, uh, we we finished second stage. I would say we've got enough money to cover the legal expenses, but we don't have enough money for the you know the actual practical step of getting there. 
So th- that's going to be very expensive. So yeah, uh, just check out yeah. EGTFS at coffee.com and uh, yep. h- help me finally, you know, <laughs> finally yeah. not not Get worry to about uh, having to return to Russia and, you know, fight in a war that I don't support. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, yeah, like, if you have any, yeah, basically, if you can, any help would be great. I mean, yeah, if, if, if like, if like a hundred people yeah. band together and throw me 10 bucks, that's already a thousand. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a hundred people, yeah. not 10 people, <laughs> because if 10 people yeah. band together, that's going to be just a hundred. <laughs> yeah. So basically t- tell your friends, tell everyone, tell your friends to give, to give Iggy money. <laughs> uh, We're yeah, really, um, really um, close. I have to add, we're genuinely really close. Like haven't felt this good or hopeful in quite a while now as you might imagine so yeah 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 i mean it's been a fucking hell of a year you know i've been complaining about my shit but um yeah for you if you yeah. thought mma was bad <laughs> i mean at least it just put, puts things into perspective put things into perspective for me because i like i wasn't as discouraged by mma being bad as some other people and stuff because i had other yeah. things to worry about <laughs> yeah actual actual shit to deal with yeah uh all right, and um, I'm gonna, yeah. As far as my announcements go, um, I usually talk about what's gonna be happening next weekend, but um, there isn't. You know, next weekend is New Year's Eve. Uh, there is a fight happening, or should be. Um, Joshua Franco versus Kazuto um, um, Yoka, but it is not being broadcast anywhere out of Japan. <laughs> Jesus, of course it is. So, like, fucking, of course. If yeah, it's in Japan, it's never. They, they, they never show it. Yeah. They, they flat out refused. Well, I managed to watch uh, some of the new ways and uh, the Kenshiro performance, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, this just they've apparently flat out refused. Like they do have the Japanese services where you can watch uh, watch along, but it's uh, just find, yeah. try and find the stream. <laughs> this is basically what yeah. you're saying. I mean, it's it's on New Year's. It's going to be on New Year's Eve, so I think that's New Year's. It might be New Year's Eve morning. I can't remember which way the times go. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's going to be a weird time. But I'm going to f- try to find oh, it afterwards. Um, um, before I forget. Uh, there's a couple announcements regarding content, which is uh, uh, we're going to be releasing the uh, second edition of our Patreon Q&A podcast pretty soon, where we uh, answer questions from our subscribers. Lots of them were very interesting and launched, launched like very fascinating discussions. So I hope you, so you know, stay tuned for that. And also, there's going to be another sort of like a party podcast that's going to be Patreon exclusive. It's just me, Ed, Fenio, and uh, Sriram I'm just sort of vibing, <laughs> just talking about all sorts of stuff that's happened this year in MMA and kind of like complaining about the things that annoyed us the most. And uh, I think next year, the Forbidden Technique guys are going to do another year in review that is similar to this one, except that they're not just going to cover the UFC because they watched everything. So they're going to talk about things maybe beyond the UFC that could be interesting that you should catch up on. So, yeah. Stay tuned for that. It is a a thought I've been having, and it's not relevant to this podcast, so I'm not going to go in depth, but it's like MMA fans should watch more non UFC stuff. Just a suggestion. You know, know, even, I mean, I've I've been complaining all year, I've just been watching casual reviews and enjoying the hell out of that. (laughs) So, So just watch, you know, just grab. A random regional promotion. Yeah, watch that. if, if, if there's fun. like I don't know if if there's a fight night coming up and you look at the roster of the people that's going to be competing at that fight night, go fucking hell! What is this shit? Just tune in to watch something yeah. else. You don't go to. Yeah. You don't well, have okay. to watch the fight night. Yeah, exactly. Fight 
So UFC are not the only not, not the only MMA promotion. Watch yeah. some boxing yeah. for a change, maybe. Yeah, just do that. Watch some boxing and then listen yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is the the thing. Boxing has had a really good year, so um, I have I have literally been sitting here just going, you know, you poor sods, you know, covering MMA, having to talk about all this bullshit, and I've just been week after week of, uh, you know, there has been a lot of bullshit because it's still boxing, but. Um, but it's been the best year for quite yeah. a long while. The I fights that were supposed um, to be fun turned out to be fun, so that's that's good. Yeah, enough. exactly. Yeah, and we had a few shocks, and you know, the, the downfall of Canelo, yeah. which, <laughs> which was. So yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, then I will. I may not cover. I may not have a podcast. I mean, I don't know exactly when this is going to come out. <laughs> so so we'll see. But um, I may not have a podcast covering Ayoko versus. Uh, um, Franco, which I should note may already have happened by the time this comes out, because <laughs> um, it's you know tomorrow. Um, but uh, I may not have a podcast covering that because I'm traveling next week. Um, but if not, you know, I'll see you for the fights. Is what I'm saying here. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Follow Iggy on Twitter. If you share, throw out your handle. Oh uh, yeah, it's I've been like banned five times this year alone but my most recent account is 05 uh what, what's the um, oh yeah it's called underscore fucking english <laughs> yeah. 05 yeah. underscore salamander which is a really elaborate uh, nato rank joke which you will figure it out <laughs> later i was i was wondering okay and um, i'm at crafty boxing which is a lot simpler and follow the fight site and join our patron join our patron which is um, you know I'm, I kind of assume that everyone who listens to this podcast who's listened to it two and a half hours of me talking is uh, already on our Patreon but if you're not join our Patreon yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah then I'll see you I'll see you next year I guess uh, possibly this year yeah happy holidays everyone <laughs>